2: This is the Character and Smallman podcast powered by I promise. Now here's Character and Smallman.
3: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a Friday edition of Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. its 7:01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's Super Wild Card Weekend. We're ready for it. Michelle, good morning. How are you doing?
0: Good morning, Randy. Yes, we are ready for it. I cannot wait for a wall-to-wall weekend of football. Just relaxing on the couch. I kind of hope we get inclement weather so I don't feel guilty because I'm not running any errands. I can't wait to settle in tomorrow, make some notes. Nachos and just watch football all weekend.
3: I, I was going to ask you about your plans from a culinary standpoint because <laughs> we do have to do this for two days of noon to 10, 10.30 p.m. football. You have to be prepared in terms of food.
0: Absolutely. I've already thought ahead. Tomorrow for lunch, for the first slate of games, we're doing, as I mentioned, sheet pan nachos, which is crucial because normally when you go to a restaurant and you get nachos, they're piled in a typical pyramid shape, which is not ideal if you're going to eat nachos. When you do it on a sheet pan at home in the oven, you get the perfect amount of dispersion for toppings per chip, which makes the eating experience all that more enjoyable. And then for dinner, we're doing pizza.
3: Love it. It is no fun to get to the bottom of the mound and have no cheese or no sour cream or no anything and you just have a chip. Not that I have anything against plain chips, but when you don't need to have that happen, why have it happen?
0: And not only that, there's nothing on the chip and the chip is soggy.
3: Right. It's frustrating. You
0: don't even get the crunch you desire. You might as well just leave it on the plate. Not with sheet pan nachos.
3: I got an air fryer for Christmas. Oh,
0: I do not have one, but I hear that they are game changers.
3: They are. And BT actually sold me on it because they use theirs all the time. I made orange chicken yesterday with mine. I'm going to do some uh, fried mozzarella sticks over the course of the weekend. But air fryer. Thumbs up.
0: So it's a healthier version? Am I getting that right? No oil. No oil. Okay. But
3: it still has the, the feel of fried food. I'm going to do some wings.
0: Oh, can't
3: wait. So I'll report back
0: between the Traeger, the air fryer. You've got all the tools in the kitchen. (laughs) I'm
3: I'm ready to rock and roll here. All right. We'll hit on the NFL throughout the course of the morning. Obviously, there is a lot going on this weekend. But we want to start with something that happened just after we got off the air yesterday. The New York Mets acquiring all-star shortstop Francisco Lindor from the Cleveland baseball team, Cleveland baseball team. Oh, now, how go, about yeah. that? Uh, they also get right-hander Carlos Carrasco from Cleveland in exchange for infielder Andres Jimenez, infielder Ahmed Rosario, and two prospects, Cleveland's number nine prospect, right-hander Josh Wolf, and their number ten prospect, uh, uh, an outfielder by the name of Isaiah Green. The top prospects for the Mets number one a shortstop named Ronnie Mauricio still there still with the Mets their top outfield prospect uh, draft pick first rounder last year by the name of Pete Crow Armstrong still with the Mets and their top pitching prospect a right-hander by the name of Matthew Allen still there so the Mets get Francisco Lindor and they give up their number 10 and 11 prospects and two middle infielders that they'll never use because they have Francisco Lindor
0: And there's reports out there that they're still in on George Springer.
3: Yes, and they should be.
0: And that they're not done yet. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I was thinking when I heard the news. The first thing was how bad I felt for Cleveland fans. Can you imagine having a talent like that and and knowing that you're not going to be able to keep him because of the finances involved? It's just, from a fan standpoint, that stinks. To have an all-generation talent like Francisco Lindor, a personality that's electric, somebody that you love watching and knowing because of the market that you're in, you're not going to be able to retain him.
3: Michelle, this is a... It's a hard conversation to have because that team has been in Cleveland forever, but they don't draw well. Going all the way back to the 90s, they couldn't keep Manny Ramirez. They couldn't keep Jim Tomey. They weren't able to keep CeCe Sabathia. They weren't able to keep Cliff Lee. They aren't able to keep Francisco Lindor. They've had some really good teams there, but they haven't been able to keep their guys Are the Indians even viable? The Indians, the baseball team, are they even viable in Cleveland? What's the point of them being there if they can't be keep and build a good team build and keep uh, a good team?
0: That is a difficult question because I don't know the the finances, but clearly when it comes to spending money and the way that most teams need to, to be able to continue to be contenders, it seems like that's not something that they are capable of or consistently do.
3: They've had a ton of Hall of Fame quality, edge of Hall of Fame guys. You go back and look at that team that won uh, the American League pennant in 95, You had Ramirez, you had Kenny Lofton, you had Jim Tomey at third base, you had uh, Omar Vizquel at short, you had Carlos Bayerga at second, you had Sandy Alomar behind the plate. I mean, you had a lot of really good players on that team, but not a single one of them ended their career in Cleveland.
0: I just wonder if somehow this needs to be switched up in baseball because it feels like if you're a mid-market team, most mid-market teams and you find through the draft and build uh, and cultivate a player that turns into a star player, you're essentially the second minor league for, a, for a bigger market franchise right. like the Yankees or the Dodgers, which stinks. It stinks that because you were able to correctly identify talent and and make sure that this player has all the tools they need to grow into a superstar. But because of where, you, where your facilities are and because of the television market that you're in, you don't get to reap the benefits of, of the good work that yeah. you've done.
3: You look at the last four years, the Marlins having to move Giancarlo, Stanton, Ozuna, and Yelich. And then the year after that, the Cardinals get Goldschmidt from Arizona. Paul Goldschmidt should have finished his career in Arizona. We love him here, but Mm -hmm. he should have finished his career in Arizona. Uh, And and then... uh, You had Mookie Mookie Betts. Yeah, but I think Boston is a different... True, but it was because of money. Because of money, definitely. And now this year, you, you have Lindor. It's a real problem with the system that you don't have something akin to a franchise tag where you can keep a player around forever aaron Rodgers in green bay patrick mahomes in kansas city the nfl's got it figured out connor mcdavid in edmonton is able to stay in edmonton right sign a hundred million dollar contract He'll, he, he may or may not but it won't be because of money that he gets moved because they get revenue sharing in toronto or in edmonton uh, nba sure teams lose guys but they do have revenue sharing in place so that tim duncan can play his entire career in a place like san antonio lebron can at least come back To Cleveland, And the reason he left wasn't because of their lack of ability to pay him. So it's a real problem that Major League Baseball has without having true revenue sharing and the ability for teams to keep their guys.
0: Yeah, and reading about this, you know, Cleveland's pobo, Chris Antonetti, is saying that he was in tears having these conversations. Imagine being in charge of things and having Francisco Lindor and knowing you have to give him up.
3: And it's cool, by the way, for the Mets. And the Mets are really close to being good now. You think about... They already had Jacob deGrom and Syndergaard and Steven Matz and Marcus Stroman and Syndergaard, hopefully for them coming back from injury, Carlos Carrasco will be their number two guy. And they've done a good job in their bullpen and getting Trevor May. And they got Edwin Diaz last year and they've got some other familias still there. They have a good outfield before George Springer. They have Brandon Nimmo. They have Dominic Smith who had a really good year last year. Um, on the infield, they could use some help at third, but Jeff McNeil at second is one of the best hitters in the league. Pete Alonzo at first. Uh, they've signed McCann behind the plate. That's a really good team that I think is one more bat, whether it be at third base or in the outfield, away from being one of the three best teams right there with the Dodgers and the Padres in the National League.
0: They're a real threat. How do you think the Yankees feel about this? Steve Cohen comes in. You know he's got the money to spend. And he not only talks the talk, he's clearly walking the walk, and he's not done.
3: And right now, because of the Mets pitching that we just mentioned, Yankees aren't the best team in New York. So the Yankees better step up. They've got to feel. And granted, they win all the time, and they're still really, really good. But you're battling for the back pages in New York. They've got to feel threatened a little bit by Steve Cohen, which is great for all of us. You would think so. Deshaun Watson, unhappy in Houston after they hired Nick Casario as their new GM, he took to Twitter and said some things never change. Apparently, Cal McNair, their owner, well, it was a fact because they both talked about it. Cal McNair, after they fired Bill O'Brien, talked to Deshaun Watson about what they should do. And Watson gave his input. But they never interviewed any of the people that he suggested they interview. And they didn't even tell him that they were going to hire Nick Casario, who, by the way, has spent 20 years with Belichick in New England. That doesn't make him great. Scott Pioli did that. Uh, But it's interesting that you don't have more respect for a transcendent quarterback like they have.
0: How can you hire people to run the team and not consult with Deshaun Watson after he's had a conversation with you and just said, hey, maybe just consider these guys or maybe just let me be a part of this process so that I can explain to them the issues that we have to see if it would be a good fit. That would be, Randy, like us saying, hey, Going to management saying, hey, these are the things we want in a producer, and them saying, sure, 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 yapping us to death, and then hiring a producer where we haven't even met them yet. How is that person going to know how we want to run the show if we haven't spoken to them?
3: Right. and that's Just show him some respect. And you gave the guy $160 million, so you think he's a good player, right? And in the NFL, and I don't know why owners don't take this approach, You always listen to the quarterback. And many times, like I've said, you choose the quarterback. How they cannot do that in Houston is beyond me. And he looks at it, Watson does, as a blatant disrespect.
0: As, as he showed And he's very
3: I, unhappy with them now.
0: I don't view it any other way other than the powers that be in Houston made a huge mistake here. Also, if I'm Casario, I want to talk to Deshaun Watson and J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt before I get the job. I want to talk to the leaders in this, in this locker room and the, the people that I want to build around and compliment. I want to talk to them before I choose to take this job.
3: Later in the show, we'll have some awesome trade ideas, by the way, if Deshaun Watson indeed has to go. Michigan nearing a five-year extension for Jim Harbaugh that could pay him as much as $8 million a year if all incentives are reached. And Michelle, you sent this uh, story to me last night, but it's interesting that his base salary is going to go down after the initial seven-year contract.
0: I think it's a good situation for both of them because if you're Michigan, you're not really in a place to be commanding um, anyone else on the market. I mean, sure, you're Michigan, it's a legacy programming, you have money, but how desirable is that job right now compared to other places that you could go. And obviously, Texas has been filled... You know what I mean. Yeah. But... I don't know if they can do better than, than Harbaugh I'm right now you. is what I'm getting at. And if you're Harbaugh, you're not in a great place to negotiate. So you come to the table saying, hey, I know my deficiencies. I know what I need to do better. I want to stay. Let's make it work on both sides. And if he can't get it done, it seems like it's easy for Michigan to walk away.
3: And when you can walk into a negotiation and say, look, I know I haven't been great. I know what my deficiencies are. So if we can just make it $8 million a year. Sure. <laughs>
0: And they're like, fine, (laughs) fine. We'll just take it down a little. Yeah, it's a pretty. You know how great would it be if you could show up, go 0 and five versus your biggest rivals, three and three against the people (laughs) in your own state you're supposed to crush, and one and eight against top ten teams and say, okay, let's lower it to eight a year.
3: Yeah, forty million over the next five. Not bad. Not
0: a bad gig if you can get it.
3: <laughs> and college basketball, ILL, Michelle.
0: I and I, what a win for the Illini last night, Randy.
3: 81 to 56 over Northwestern. And the Illini, number 12 in the nation, look to be on their way to perhaps moving up in the rankings next week. So good for you.
0: Good for it's us. It's all about you. And No, it's good for us. This is an <laughs> Illinois show, right?
3: It sure is. <laughs> That gets us started on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. We have our peak and pit of the week coming your way with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: your text to the air comfort service text line at 65780 we want to hear from you it's peak or pit here on 101 espn michelle randy tanner and michelle i'll, I'll get things started my peak of the wit was, week was uh the blues getting back on the ice it was just so cool that's to, mine too yeah it's seeing them play against each other but it's a great peak
0: we haven't had local sports to watch in a minute now. Right, we've been wa- we've had college football, college basketball, but I'm talking St. Louis Blues hockey, St. Louis Cardinal baseball
3: since October.
0: XFL, MLS, we don't we haven't had it in a while, and to know that the Blues are coming back and. To have so many interesting storylines surrounding this team and so many fresh faces that are intriguing and that could make a big Mm -hmm. impact, I am so excited. I cannot wait for next week to watch this team get back into action. We're going to have a lot of fun nights watching hockey, Randy. No
3: doubt. And especially, that's another peak, by the way, the schedule coming out and not having a ton of 9 and 9.30 games. That's a good one.
0: That is a good one.
3: My pit of the week. And, Michelle, I hate to have lingering bitterness. I really think that I'm actually pretty positive and a happy guy but my pit of the week was having the the uh, Arizona Cardinals lose to the Rams and having the Rams make the playoffs that was my pit that's your pit? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we never want them to succeed. No. But don't worry. It'll be short last Tanner year. Tanner
3: wants to weigh in here. I'm sure that might be his peak, That actually. is my peak. Yeah, there you go.
4: Triple header the next two days in NFL and my Rams are in? Come on. That's got to be my peak.
0: I just cannot understand how you can cure for the Rams being from here.
4: Uh, well, you know,
0: like, if someone cheated on me and publicly humiliated me, I wouldn't stay with them. I would get a divorce. You know?
3: I did. <laughs> with them.
0: Like, they As don't a, want you, so why do you want them?
4: I don't know. Let's do, let's uh, maybe do the mental I'm just, breakdown maybe here. Maybe I'm just not over them, you know?
0: But but they don't want you.
4: Okay, I, I don't you. care if they don't want me. <laughs> I,
0: can't, <laughs> I can't quit you. You don't care if they don't want you?
4: I want, I just want someone to support in the NFL, and I didn't want to go to Indianapolis because I, I'm not a Colts fan, mm-hmm. even though I am a Pacers fan. Uh, I did not want to root for any Chicago team because I absolutely hate Chicago. And I just did not want <laughs> to root for the Chiefs. I, I'm not from over in that area. The Rams were here in St. Louis when I was born. That's My dad's still a Cardinals fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were here in St. Louis when he was around. He stuck with them when they went to Arizona. So maybe it's just like a family gene or something. But I just followed them when they went to L.A. I thought about it. I, it took two, three weeks before I was like, Eh, okay, you marinated fine. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, who can I root for? I was like, I don't want the Colts, don't want them.
3: So I just went with it. And I didn't want to be a bandwagon either. Plenty of room on that Dolphins bandwagon, though.
0: Yeah. We'll scoot over for you. Yeah. Don't you don't, worry.
3: No doubt about it. Michelle, you got a pit?
0: I do have a pit, Randy. It's a personal pit. I have not been sleeping well this week. And I don't know if it's because we had short weeks and our schedules have been off but I just cannot fall asleep these days. I don't know what the deal is. That I, is a pit. I tried to put on one of those white noise machines and go to bed. Tried to put on a movie. Maybe the screen would make me tired. Mm-hmm. Not working. So, you know what? And I and I know that I'm probably going to get in a routine just as we have to stay up and start watching Blues hockey games.
3: Right. 65780 oh, if you have any good ideas short of drugs for Michelle to sleep. <laughs> I think one of the things, though, uh, that... It occurs to me and with me, and I know that you did 75 hard for such a long time, yeah. and you were able to wear yourself out and wear yourself down. I wonder if you just have so much pent-up energy now that because of 75 hard, it's making it difficult for you because you aren't expending that energy during the day like you did.
0: Maybe. That's a that's a great theory.
3: Because you were sleeping okay during 75 hard, right? Like it was a, wearing you out.
0: Like a rock. Yeah. But when you're working out twice a day- yeah. Yeah, it wears you out. It wears you out. So, I don't know. Maybe I need to get back into that routine. But after having such a long stretch where I was sleeping like a baby, mm-hmm. to not be able to fall asleep has been really, really annoying. It's such a pit. Also in the peak, by the way, not only the Blues coming back, but as we mentioned last time, a big win by the Illini. Down 15 yeah. at the half. They come back. They outscore Northwestern 53-13 to 13 in the second. That was a fun game.
3: Good for the Illini. Yeah. All right, Tanner, what else you got? Do you have a pit for us? Do you uh, give us your pit? My pit is
4: that I'm taking my Christmas stuff down this week. Oh, I love the I love Christmas season, and now it's time for it to come down, and, and it's just it's just that you know that period of blah, nothing really happening.
0: I already did it. And I'm with you. It's such a pain to take it down. It's such a bummer. And now the space in our living room where the tree was, it feels so empty. Mm -hmm. It feels so sad and empty.
3: Ours is still up, and I don't know when it's coming down.
0: (laughs) You know what? You have a blues (laughs) tree. I would leave it up for a while, right?
3: (laughs) Yeah, right. We do have that.
0: But I feel you on that one, Tanner. That is a bummer.
4: From the 636, my peak of the week is that my wife is pregnant. Oh, yay. That's-
0: Congratulations.
4: And my pit, she is throwing up two to three times a day. It's,
3: it'll happen for a few weeks, but that's okay. At least you're not the one throwing up.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: um, it could happen the entire time. When my mom was pregnant with me, she was sick the entire time. Really the only thing that made her feel she would never actually get sick, but she was just nauseous for nine months. The only mm-hmm. thing that made her feel better was eating bagels and cream cheese.
3: See, that's one thing I was gonna say to the texture. Get ready for unusual food requests, whether it be bagels and cream cheese, or maybe it'll be ice cream, or maybe it'll be hot dogs. You never know what it's gonna be, but prepare for unusual, many times late night food requests.
4: From the six three six my peak the extra week of work or the extra week off of work and my
3: pit strep throat but at
4: least I caught it early Ooh. that's good
3: I think Michelle strep the and, and like even if I get sniffles I, I'm thinking about COVID-19 so I wonder like when you have strep throat and it's like a legitimate illness that's not COVID, but you're. I, I wonder if, if, like our texture is still thinking. I wonder if I have COVID nineteen.
0: Do you remember when we first started doing the show? Every year, mm-hmm. I get really, really bad sinuses in mm-hmm. the springtime. It's like clockwork. Ever for many years, I knew that that's what was happening but i freaked out the, the, yeah. something that you've had happen to your entire life all of a sudden can make you think oh my gosh do i have COVID?" <laughs> i went and got tested i didn't um which is why i was able to come in but still i would imagine strep throat even things that you know probably are not covid related you're going to think it's COVID.
3: right and right. something like strep throat I, I totally get it because any little thing that i feel and it never lasts for more than 24 hours, but anything, any little thing I feel, I'm, I'm wondering. If your do knee I have, hurts, or yeah. you're like,
4: oh my gosh, is this an early sign of COVID? <laughs> exactly. My knee is sore. From the 618, my peak of the week is that we, me and my family have started planning a post-COVID trip. Oh, nice. Good for you. Something
0: to look forward to?
4: My pit of the week, I'm having car problems.
0: Oh.
3: Car problems are not good.
0: No, I recently dealt with that when my battery died before I was supposed to go <laughs> to work. And there's a rare, that's a rare panic. People who've had car problems know that feeling, especially if it's in the morning and you, you have an appointment or you need to get somewhere, it stinks. So that is a big pit.
3: Back in my day, it used to be if you had a car problem, it was easy to figure out and you would open up the hood of your car and there'd be a ton of room in there. The engine would be there, but you'd have a ton of room to work. Now, when you open up the hood of a car, it's all stuffed in there, and because of computers in cars, you have no idea what the problem is. You have to take your car to a repair shop or a dealership to get it fixed. I would find it impossible to even change my oil now. I used to change my oil back when I was a youngster all the time. You did? I I could fix anything. I could could fix anything on a car. My first car was a 1976 Firebird Formula. It was great car, fun. And I could fix anything on it. And then I had, like, I bought one time a nineteen seventy Pontiac Le Mans convertible, and I I, convertible was really fast. It was cool. Uh, And I even had like the bus, and I could work on the bus. But now there is no way I could work on today's vehicles because they're just too difficult and complicated. And sometimes even the people that repair cars don't know what's wrong with them because their computers are such, they're confusing. Animals.
0: Did you used to work on cars a lot?
3: Yeah, when I was a teenager, college, yeah. I used to do that. It was fun. I had a good time. I, I was, I could do it, so why not? It was a lot cheaper than taking it to a mechanic or something.
0: It sounds like you had quite the fleet of vehicles back in the day, Randy. You had the van, you had the bus, you had the, the convertible, yeah. a Firebird. Sounds like you were the man about town.
3: Yeah, I had some pretty <laughs> fun vehicles, yeah.
4: From the 618... Can can I
3: give you one more before I go? This was kind of a pit of the week when it happened, too. Freshman in college, and I had gotten rid of the Firebird, which was a really cool car, and I got a Chevy... I think it was a Monza, and in the first week I had it, I tried to start it on the parking lot at school. I'm in college, and I hear a... And all of a sudden, smoke starts (laughs) coming out from under the hood. I'm thinking, what's going on here? Is this over here? So I start to open the hood... And flames shoot <gasps> out, and the car burns to the ground on the on the school parking lot. It was just unbelievable. And I guess there was some kind of a crack in a tube between the carburetor and the engine, and it got down on the uh, on the radiator or something, or not the radiator, whatever the what's on top of the engine. See, I don't know what. You think I know? That. Come on, Ryder. But anyway, <laughs> uh, a, a little droplet of gasoline hit on a hot part on the engine. And uh, this car burned to the ground, man. It was bad.
0: You're so lucky you didn't get hurt.
3: Oh yeah, I see. It cinched my fingers when I started to open the hood, wow. but it wasn't. You know, it didn't wasn't bad enough to hurt me.
4: So how'd you get home? Bus. Uh,
3: my mom had to come and pick <laughs> me up. Yeah.
4: From the six one eight. My peak is one of my coworkers is pregnant. And she has cravings, and her cravings is pickles. And I love pickles, so the fridge is always filled with pickles. That's a peak good.
0: I'm, that's nice that she would share her pickles yeah, with her is. co-workers. I'd be like, listen, I'm nauseous. These are mine. I would have a big sign that oh. says, I am pregnant. Do not eat my pickles.
3: And you're emotional, too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And,
4: um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. His pit of the week is coming back to the full five days of working.
3: Yeah, I, I am totally on board with that. Hey, thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, we're going to start a new weekly segment every Friday. We're going to talk to our friend Jay Delsing about what's going on in the golf world and Jay has golf tips for you. He has, uh, and by the way, his show Golf with Jay Delsing every Sunday morning is fantastic. But golf tips, equipment ideas, and the, all the new equipment is going to start coming out. What's going on on the tour, uh, PGA Tour veteran. And Jay will join us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on
2: 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Looking forward to Golf with Jay Delsing on Sunday morning. And we're going to start doing this every Friday with our friend Jay Delsing. Golf with Jay Delsing every Friday here on 101 ESPN. Jay Delsing with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line talking a little golf. Good morning, sir. How are you doing?
1: Hey, guys. Good morning. Happy New Year.
3: Same to you. Hey, Jay, I want to ask you right off the top here. The tour season has started now in Hawaii, and it seems like the the top golfers for the most part, avoid that Hawaii swing early in the season. Why do they do that, man? If I had a chance to go to Hawaii for a month on business, I would.
1: Randy, no kidding. And, and here's the thing that's really crazy: this first event, the Century Tournament of Champions, is for people that have only won an event, and there's no cut, so you're guaranteed like a hundred grand just to go. So, so. you it seems like obviously i'm not getting that call uh, <laughs> i there with you
3: and you do have you have a pretty good field this weekend but it just seems like everybody would want to play in that
1: it, 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 there was a time randy where that was such a prestigious uh, invite because it was a phenomenal way to kick off your year there was it's a, it a no cut event and it was kind of congratulating you for winning the the year prior the guys are playing for so much dough that that this thing isn't even on most of their radar screens anymore and it's it's a head scratcher for me really i can I, I i don't know and it and they're playing the plantation course over at kapalua if you've ever been there it, it's just spectacular especially if you live in a place like we do with you know no sun <laughs> for weeks at a time, I mean, it's got a hell of a lot of allure for me. I can tell you that.
0: Yeah, I wonder at what point in your career you have to get to to say, "Oh, to make money to play golf in Hawaii does not seem appealing to me."
1: I know, Michelle. <laughs> right, and, and the the other thing, I think Tiger was the first one that kind of started it because um, the the next event is over at um, Wileye on the on the Big Island. It's like a thirty minute little puddle jump and it's another week on the island and but the golf course over there is really small and really tight and for today's hitter some people just you know x that off the list because it's going to be really hard to you know you're playing the plantation golf course which is massive huge fairways i think the last hole believe it or not you guys measures over 700 yards long it's a par five but it plays straight down this Almost mountainous terrain and straight down the trade winds. So everybody, even when I played back in the day, we could knock it on in two because I would just roll so far. So uh, it's a real contrast to the golf course and the styles. And so I don't know, maybe that's it. I'd still be over there. I'd go right now (laughs) if they call me. I'd try to swim over.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Jay, we're going to be talking about some of the same names that we talked about last year in golf. Obviously, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson. But I want to ask you about Jordan Spieth. He had kind of a slide in recent years. What do you think is going on with Jordan Spieth? And do you think that we'll see a bounce back from him?
1: Man, that's a great question, Michelle. I get asked that a lot. I'm a gigantic Jordan Speeds fan. I, I love the way this guy has handled himself with uh, the Masters wins and, and things like that. But personally, I think he's got he's, – he is one inch away from the golf golfing hell, which is a place that not very many people come back from. When you lose confidence like you have and you play poorly, especially from such a pinnacle – Where he wins the british open and and now has just been in this kind of free fall and he's got some unusual methods in his swing okay and for him to be working with cameron mccormick and he has been they have been together forever and this to not get better is really interesting to me so i feel like cameron feeling a hell of a lot of heat i feel like jordan's pissed off it's all he was one of the best putters you've ever seen you guys and it's it's worked his way all the way through the bag and he's not putting well currently and so i don't know what's going to happen i i I root for him but he i mean i've talked to friends that say he's done at this early age and there's a guy that's won these majors and he's won 11 events i think in three majors already and it just happens, though, you guys. You saw it with Ian Baker Finch, and you saw it with Chip Beck, and what happens is this game is so fickle, and it's such a feel oriented game that once it leaves, <laughs> sometimes it just doesn't come back.
0: Speaking of bounce backs, do you think we'll see a revitalized Brooks Kepka after he's dealt with those injuries?
1: I don't know, Michelle. That's another good one. You know, we we try to get to topics on my show, and my buddy Pearlie and I start talking, and we wander off like a Seinfeld episode, and <laughs> don't don't go over things like that. But Brooks Kepka is such an interesting guy. He's this guy that was always looking for that chip on his shoulder. You know, he's always looking for something to give him some sort of motivation over everybody else. He was really close with DJ, and then. He's continually last year took shots at him and uh, in the in the press in the media on social media things like that. So he's a strange one, and um, uh, his record in major championships is just spectacular. He's won four majors already. Um, so there's three people in the game of golf: um, Ben Hogan, Curtis Strange back in '88 and '89, and then Brooks Kepka, Kepka in 2018 and '19 that won back-to-back U.S. Opens. I mean, the only three guys in the history of the game. But I I don't know, Michelle. One of the things that happens in this game is you get hurt and don't get it fixed. You start swinging differently and don't really realize it. And then you you can find yourself easily into the spiral that Jordan speaks in, and uh, it's tough to come out of. I don't think Brooks is at that point yet, but he's such a strange You know, personality. I I, I really don't know what to expect from him.
3: Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. And Jay, at the end of this month, they're going to have the virtual PGA show, usually every year in Orlando. They get all the PGA people together to show off the new merchandise and the new clubs and everything that's happening technologically in the world of golf. I just want to ask you from uh, the standpoint of the average golfer or the, the, maybe the golfer that's a little bit below average. If you haven't bought clubs in, in a decade, has the technology changed that much from 2010 to 2021 that somebody should be looking at new clubs, whether it's a driver or irons now?
1: They really should, Randy. It's and, and I'm not trying to spend our guys and gals' money out there, but and I was kind of when I played, I was kind of a dinosaur. I was one of the last guys to get rid of the persimmon wood and go to the go to the um, uh, you know the the metal woods that we use now, and I very seldom ever change putters and everything. Uh, but you can, I mean, the sweet spots on our irons with these cavity back based irons and some of the offset, you can. It, it makes it so much easier. To play some of your off-center hits, and if you're playing a set of irons that's 10 or 15 or even 20 years old, you're going to miss hit this ball a lot, and it's not going to go anywhere. And especially in the drivers, Randy, the drivers were little bitty back in the day. In the sweet spot, Arnold Palmer told me one time, the sweet spot on this driver is the size of an eraser head. And I remember thinking that the next time I was trying to drive it, I'm like, Oh my god, how the hell am I going to hit this thing straight? <laughs> But now with these big-headed drivers, uh, your, toe, your toe misses, your heel misses. They all start trying to come back towards the fairway, and the balls get up in the air, and, and, and it can definitely, definitely help.
3: And by the way, lessons always do help. Regardless of what the clubs are, lessons do help.
1: Yeah, you know what happens, you guys, is we get out there playing with our group, and as a group of buddies, and Michelle, even a bunch of the gals, and they wind up trying to help each other. And it's really interesting, or one of the things that kills me is that one of the guys, this is mostly a guy thing, will get a new driver, and he'll start crushing it. And then his other buddy goes, well, let me hit that, and he hits one or two, and it's a little bit better than his. So he buys the driver that his friend was fit for. And he uses it for like a week and goes, God, this thing sucks. It doesn't work. <laughs> it wasn't made for you. You know, that's one of the things that they can do now is that they can go out and they can figure out, you know, it's important to figure out how much speed you have in your swing. And then they can, you know, adjust accordingly. They'll give you a shaft that fits. They can tell you what ball to play. There's so many choices now, thanks to Tiger Woods, that, that there's something for everybody. And if you don't want to spend top dollar. There's a gigantic market, you guys, for uh, clubs that are maybe a year old or two years old that are still way better than what you're using if you've got a 10-year-old set or a 15-year-old set.
3: Those are some of the things we'll talk about every Friday. We'll have swing tips for you, equipment tips, and obviously talk about what's going on on tour with the players. Jay, it's always great to hear your voice. Looking forward to hearing you, by the way, on Sunday morning with Jay Delsing Golf. Golf with Jay Delsing, as we do every Sunday morning here on 101 ESPN.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. And remember, this is really about drinking and swearing, Randy. This is golf works on your drinking and swearing game for sure.
3: At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's all about it, man. All right. Jay, happy new year to you too. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you later. That'll, that's Jay Delsing, and we will hear from him every Friday here on Character and Smallman.
0: You know, my short game not, might not be great, but my drinking and swearing game, See? top-notch. That's what it's all about.
3: <laughs> Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. We've got a little game of Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: <laughs> all right, time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Michelle with... The expanded playoffs, we now have 6 wild card teams this weekend. The Colts, the Rams, the Buccaneers, and then in the AFC you've got the Ravens plus you've got two others. You've got the the Bears wild card team and the Browns wild card team. Take it or leave it. The only two wild card teams that have a chance in hell of making it to the Super Bowl are the Buccaneers and the Ravens. So I would say no chance I'm for the Colts, the Rams, the Bears and the Browns.
0: Take it. take it.
3: Yeah, I, I think that too. Two out of six have a chance.
0: Have a good chance.
3: Yeah, but four have no chance.
0: Well, that leads perfectly into mine, Randy, because I don't know if you saw this video that made the rounds yesterday, but the Bills were getting loose at practice yesterday. They were dancing to you can't touch to can't Touch this a little MC Hammer action. They were all getting into it. You could tell they were having a good time. Take it or leave it. That's foreshadowing because the Colts aren't going to be able to touch them in that game.
3: Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, and I, I would love to see the Colts at least compete, but I think everything going into this game would lead one to believe that it might not even be a game cold weather, and obviously Indianapolis is a dome team that they practice in cold weather, but not like Buffalo. And Buffalo's just been better.
0: I love when videos like that come out Because depending on your angle of the game, you have such a different response to it. Some people are saying, look how loose they are. They they're having fun. They have this in the bag. Chemistry like that is what you need in a championship team. Other people are saying, why would you give the Colts any bulletin board material? Why would you be that that loose at practice? It's just so funny to see the various reactions to something as simple as some guys hearing a song and dancing to it (laughs) in the moment.
3: (laughs) Tanner, what do you got for us? take it or
4: leave it we see another star like say Trevor Story or Nolan Arenado traded before we see one of the big free agent signs
3: I'm going to leave that although I think it's going to take the Mets re-signing Lindor to give everybody else an idea of for example what Trevor Story's financial situation is going to be but I, I, I think Lindor was kind of an outlier here I don't think that there are other superstars out there that will be traded before a Springer or a Bauer signs.
0: Do you think the Mets making that trade or that move yesterday is going to give other teams the green light to go? I know that they had the money. I know it's a, a different it's in a different sphere than other players But that's kind of what we've been talking about is after the Padres made those moves, we said, is all of a sudden, are we going to see a flurry of activity? Not really. Now people are saying, now that the Mets start put the foot on the gas, are we going to see a flurry of activity? Probably not, right?
3: It's really interesting, and I don't think that this is a mistake either. Three teams in baseball have spent money this offseason. Royals, Padres, Mets. Three teams in baseball this offseason have new owners, Royals, Padres, (laughs) Mets. So I think that's what it comes down to is these guys haven't had the opportunity to spend and not make as much money. I think that's really what it is. And uh, And they're
0: excited, and they want to prove themselves, and they want to put their stamp on things.
3: Exactly. And franchises like the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers, they know what it takes. And the Cardinals are in the same boat, and the Cubs are in the same boat, but they also... In being veteran owners, they've experienced how much money they can make and how much they didn't last year, and how much they might not next year either.
4: From the three one four, take it or leave it. No one in the NL Central will sign a top free agent shortstop
3: next year. I'll take that. Take it. Yeah. They, well, the Cubs might resign Bias if that counts. I could see that, but otherwise, and he's one of those four. I, I'm going to say that the Mets don't lose Lindor. I'm going to say they sign him. So you're going to have Seager, and he probably stays with the Dodgers now, especially with Lindor moving. Story, and he probably won't go to an NL Central team. And who are we leaving out here? Seager, Story, Baez, uh, oh, and Correa. And is not coming to the NL Central.
0: So the Cardinals will stand pad again?
3: Yes, Paul DeYoung <laughs> will be our shortstop. Uh, let's see.
4: From the 6 one take it or leave it, Pittsburgh versus Kansas City in the AFC Championship.
3: I could see it. I'm not going to take it. I'm going to leave that because I really think the Ravens are the team to get to the AFC Championship game I thought with KC. I
0: thought you were going to say the Bills.
3: I, I like the Bills a lot, but I think Baltimore's mission and the, having been there and their defense and having Lamar, I, I just think that they're a the team that's set up to go on a run here.
0: How confident are you in the Steelers?
3: Not confident at all.
0: I'm not either.
3: No. Even from the time, Michelle, that, and you'll recall this, when they lost Evan Bush and when they lost Bud Dupree, I was really concerned about them. And I still am. I think eventually I, I equate it to... Driving a car on a spare tire. Mm. Eventually, that spare tire isn't built to go for the long haul, and it's going to wear out on you. I think that's where they are with their backup linebackers here.
0: Yeah, You think they'll make it to the rest stop, a.k.a. getting past the Browns, but will they make it to the final destination? Probably
3: yeah.
4: not. From the 6 one take it or leave it, there could be one coach that loses his job if he's bounced in the first round of the playoffs.
3: I am going to leave that. I don't think there is one.
4: I think here. the only guy that would have
3: a chance of being in danger would be Matt Nagy. And I just don't see that happening. I, uh, otherwise, Reich is safe. Yeah, McDermott's really safe. Seems McVay. Safe. Yeah. Uh, so, Carol, Arians, maybe Arians would retire again. But uh, you know Rivera, uh, Harbaugh, Vrabel, uh, Peyton. Stefanski is very, very safe And Tomlin So I think that Nagy would be the only one But I don't think they'll get rid of him
4: From the 3-1-4 take it or leave it Hoffman and Krug will make us forget about Vladdy and Petro this season
3: I will leave that We will never forget about Vladdy and Petro
4: Especially not this first season
3: No I mean, they, they brought us a Stanley Cup
0: Yeah, and in recent memory Yeah And you're going to see Petro a lot You're not going to forget about him I get the premise. They're going to be so exciting. I I think we will not forget about those guys. And hopefully, Vladdy is somebody that we'll be talking about this year. Yeah. But I think in the absence of those two, they will dull the pain.
3: That'd be good. And hey, realistically, we didn't think about Vladdy last year when the Blues were so good and scoring a lot of goals. That's right. So I guess from that perspective, yes, you could de- definitely see that. That you're winning so much so that you aren't thinking about what you don't have anymore.
4: From the 636, take it or leave it. If the Chiefs win their second straight Super Bowl, they can be deemed a dynasty.
3: Yeah, I'll take that. In this day and age in the NFL, it's hard to repeat. Last team to repeat, I believe, was the Patriots at 0 3 So I would say that that's fair. That the Three years in the playoffs and uh, under Mahomes mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of Super Bowls, that's dynasty worthy.
0: I would take that as well, especially because they're not going anywhere for a while.
3: No, they aren't. Thanks, Tanner. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Coming up, we're going to talk to Pro Football Weekly's Hub Arkish about this weekend's super wild card weekend in the NFL. It's next on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Indy character. It's eight oh one. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Pro Football Weekly's Hub Arkish, kind enough to join us for a few minutes to talk about the playoffs, the Wild Card Weekend. Uh, Hub, first of all, thanks for joining us. Great to have you with us. How you doing?
5: I'm good. How are you guys doing this morning?
3: Everything's great. Michelle and I were just talking during the break. The Cardinals make the playoffs a lot. and Like the last couple of years, they they haven't been great, the baseball Cardinals. So it kind of feels like they didn't make the playoffs, even though they didn't. What's it like in Chicago with the Bears? Because obviously they've had the Trubisky situation. They had the long losing streak. Does Chicago feel like the Bears are in the playoffs? Kind of
5: <laughs> <laughs> just in question. Uh, yes, everybody's looking forward to the game uh, on Sunday, even though the bears are the biggest underdog of, of the weekend. They're playing a team. they stand still just 10 weeks ago, week eight of the season. Uh, they lost by a field goal in overtime with just a minute and a half left. But uh, on one hand, it's not like the, you know, nobody thinks they fit. Nobody thinks they have a chance. They're going to get blown out. But on the other hand, to go through a six-game losing streak and then bounce back and beat up a couple of bad teams, and then when you could have really earned that spot and played your way in and beat the best team in the NFC to get beat by your most hated rival again, that one stings Bears fans a lot. So there's not a lot of satisfaction with this playoff spot in terms of how this team got here. But I think Bears fans are probably still excited that they get to see a playoff
3: game Sunday.
0: Is the dream of potentially righting the wrong of not securing Deshaun Watson overshadowing a playoff game that's on deck in Chicago right now?
5: Um, You know, it's been four years. And so if they're not over it yet, they're probably, uh, you know, watching the wrong sport. I don't know what to tell them. uh, uh, But the anger has not. uh, The the belief is that, you know, Ryan Pace messed up. The general manager... uh, thinking maybe he's the problem with the quarterback that they picked. So, uh, all in all, it's just a frustration that is going to stay with Ryan Pace as long as he's the general manager of the Bears. But It would take really one win, you know, one big upset win Sunday in a game in which Trubisky played well. It's not like this Trubisky is a complete bust. He's certainly not the worst first-round quarterback we've seen. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, you study it, you know, 90% of these kids fail. The problem is that he's not Patrick Mahomes, and, and, and it's never going to be. No matter what he does in Chicago, he isn't going to be Patrick Mahomes, and so it may never be good enough.
0: If Deshaun Watson was available, do you see a scenario in which the Bears would make a a deal and potentially give up a huge package for him?
5: Um, No. And and even beyond that, though, I think we're kind of dealing with a false premise now. I know there was a report out there uh, that uh, somebody issued a rumor that they were hearing rumors. The, the Houston Texans are not trading Deshaun Watson. He, he is a franchise, and he is the reason that it's kind of a. a, 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 a casario out of New England for that DM job. People have been trying for years, and he wouldn't leave. Well, time finally left. He went there because Deshaun Watson was there, not because he wants to deal
3: with Pro Football Weekly with us on 101 ESPN Hub. Leaving. The teams that aren't playing this weekend, Kansas City and Green Bay out of the mix. When you look at the dozen teams this weekend, who do you think is the best team? Who do you think has the best chance to get to and win a Super Bowl among the 12 that are playing this weekend?
5: Normally, I'd say it's a tough question, but it's not for me this year. The Buffalo Bills may be playing the best football in the NFL right now. I'm not going to say... That they're better than the Chiefs or the Packers, but they're probably as good of what we've seen the last really 10 or 11 weeks. They had the one uh, upset, the Hail Mary loss in Arizona, if you will. Other than that, they've been the most consistent team in the league. They've been the winningest team in the league. And uh, for as long as they stay home, even without fans, they got a big advantage when they're playing in Buffalo.
0: What needs to happen this weekend for the Bears to beat the Saints?
5: I think it's funny. I just uh, was writing about this last night for the local papers. It's about pressure. It's about getting to Drew breathing. That's what makes the Saints so good is almost nobody does that. But the guy has only been sacked 25 times in the last two seasons, and yet more than half those sacks have covered the seven game that he's lost. Uh, when you get to him, when you get pressure in his face, and you're not going to get him on the ground all that much. The ball comes out so quickly. But as long as you pressure him and you can get him on the ground two, three times in a game, you've got a really good chance of slowing that offense. Now the defense, different story. They're playing better now. They didn't play well the first half of the season. Run the football on them, you're in good shape. And the Bears have been the second-best running team in the league over the last five weeks after struggling with it all season long. So there's ways that you can see this upset coming. It's just at the end of the day, the Saints are a much better football
3: team. Uh Hub, we talked here down the stretch about the team that nobody wanted to see in the playoffs if they made it, and inevitably we came back to the Ravens, and obviously they lost in Tennessee earlier this year, but it seems like the Ravens, after all of the COVID issues that they, they dealt with, you talked about Buffalo being the most consistent and playing the best right now, Baltimore might not be far behind.
5: Yes and no. Um, certainly, they get that juggernaut going on the ground, and they can run away from you quickly. But unlike Buffalo, they're not really a complete football team. They've got a couple of issues. They don't throw the ball all that well on a consistent basis. And Lamar Jackson and I always, you know, feel funny talking about this kid because I am I'm one of the 58P voters. I, I have all throw and MVP votes and things like that. Can't tell you who I voted for this year. They want to keep that a surprise. But I can tell you last year. I voted for Lamar Jackson as MVP. I never hesitated. He was the most valuable player in the league, but he was not my all-pro quarterback because he's not an NFL passer, and that's why he struggled in the playoffs. That's why they struggle in big games against good teams. And And that 11-5 record in this five-game winning streak they're finishing on is impressive, but in those 11 wins, two of them over a, lose, uh, over a winning team, and that was the Cleveland Browns in their own division. They, they beat up on bad teams, and so... Uh, they're a good football team. Uh, I, I, them in Tennessee, kind of a toss up right now. I'm I'm surprised, you know, Tennessee knocked them out of the playoffs last year. Tennessee beat them what? Six, seven weeks ago. The game is in Tennessee and yet the Ravens are three and a half point favorites. So obviously a lot of folks agree with you. They, they think the Ravens are scary, but I think the Titans probably win that football game.
0: How about you look down the road, which two teams do you think we are going to see in the Super Bowl?
5: Well, it's it's always easy to take the chalk, you know, and, and certainly the Packers and the Chiefs look tough to beat, and you got to go through Green Bay and Kansas City. Um, I, I just it's so hard to repeat in the NFL, and and as good as the Chiefs are, they're not perfect, and and I really like the way Buffalo is playing right now. Also, ironically, my preseason AFC Super Bowl pick was the Colts, and, and so that may be the game that interests me the most this weekend but I think you got to like Buffalo and the AFC and the NFC. Keep an eye on the Seattle Seahawks. I would have never said this five, six weeks ago, the defense was just awful. And then getting Jamal Adams back, that defense is solidified along with the Carlos Dunlap trade. And on offense, they can go off for 35, 40 on any given Sunday. Now the trick there though, is, is Jamal Adams back? He was, now he's got the bum shoulder. He says he'll go this weekend. Uh, They're still saying game time decision. But with a healthy Adams and that defense, I think seattle Buffalo, uh, is a possibility come, uh, come Super
3: Bowl time. Habarkush, before we let you go, I want to ask about the coaching openings. Because under ordinary circumstances, when you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence available and the number one pick in the draft and a ton of cap room, coaches would say, and we in the media would say, that's the best job. So with that being said, you've got the Chargers job open and several others. What do you think is the best job that's open this offseason?
5: It's really such a great question because you've got an unusual scenario where, as you point out, the Jaguars are going to have the number one overall pick, and that's obviously uh, you know, going to be Trevor Lawrence. The Jets' job is open. If they're not sold on Sam Darnold, who was a number three, uh, they're going to have the number two pick. If Justin Fields sits there, that may be a little high for him. you got that Charger job with, with Herbert in place. You've got the Texans' job with Watson in place. So I I think all four of those jobs, actually, with Herbert and Watson, you know a little bit more about what you've got already. You know a lot more, actually. So I would think that those two jobs could be the most appealing. Also, the Chargers, they've got plenty of talent on defense. You know, they've got some weapons. Uh, Anthony Lynn, I thought he was going to save his job. They've got seven one-score losses and seven wins. That team is not far away. So certainly the Chargers and Texans' jobs, Uh, With the new front office with the Texans. That's part of the key. If you believe in those folks, those are going to be probably the two primo
3: jobs. Hub, great to hear your voice. Thanks so much. Enjoy this wild card weekend, and hopefully, we can talk again soon. All
5: right, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care.
3: You too. Hub Arkish of Pro Football Weekly on 101 ESPN. Michelle, one of the things about the Texans' job that would concern me going in is that right now, they're $17 million over the cap. And when you look at the other jobs that he talked about, the Jets, Jaguars and Jets are one and two in available cap space this offseason. And the Chargers have more than $29 million available in cap space. They're like 10th in the league in available cap space. And the Texans traded their first and second picks for, they traded them to Miami for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills last year. So... The ability to rebuild quickly in Houston, I don't think, is as great as it is in the other spots.
0: Which makes it even more interesting that they were able to lure Casario away.
3: Yeah, it is. Because he has a big job to do. Yes, he does. And the best ways, probably, to give himself cap space and draft picks, it would be to move Watson and J.J. Watt.
0: Hmm. Maybe they will, Randy.
3: We'll see. That's Michelle. I'm Randy on 101 ESPN. Coming up, speaking of Deshaun Watson, what is his future with the Texans? Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to
2: the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
5: The Houston Texans are not trading Deshaun Watson. He, he is a franchise, and he is the reason that it's kind of a, a, a casteria out of New England that DM job. People have been trying for years, and he wouldn't leave. Well, he finally left. He went there because Deshaun Watson is there, not because he wants to deal.
3: That's Hubbard of Pro Football Weekly talking about Deshaun Watson, who is unhappy in Houston. Apparently, uh, he is unhappy for two reasons. Number 1, he met with the owner Cal McNair during the season. They had dinner and he said to Cal McNair, he gave him a list of names for the because that's why they were having dinner. He gave McNair some names for the general manager and coaching jobs in Houston. And apparently McNair and Nick Easterby, their team president, didn't speak to any of the people that Deshaun Watson had suggested. Last year, they didn't inform him when they were going to trade DeAndre Hopkins, the best receiver in the league. And this year, they didn't inform him when not only did they reject his ideas and not speak to the people that he had suggested, but they hired Nick Casario and didn't even tell him. He found out on Twitter that the Texans has hired Nick Casario. So apparently he's very unhappy, certainly not out of the realm of possibility for Houston to trade good players. They've traded some really good ones in the past, including DeAndre Hopkins, and Michelle, they are, the Texans, $17 million over the salary cap. So I could see a scenario in which a guy like Deshaun Watson would get moved because of the culture of the NFL right now
0: and because they could get a lot for him in return. But this story is wild, Randy. If your ownership and you're looking at the state of your football team right now, there's a few bright spots, and one of which is Deshaun Watson, who had an incredible season based on the terrible circumstances around him. If you have the wherewithal to go to dinner with Deshaun and talk to him about the process if he's done his homework and presents you with a list of names why would you then completely disrespect him and brush aside what he wants and what you met with him about in the first place and go behind his back and and hire someone without A consulting with him and B having the two parties meet before you move forward in the process it makes no sense to me and as we just heard in the clip coming back If Casario went to Houston in large part because Deshaun Watson is there and you're the people making this decision knowing Deshaun wants to have conversations with the GM or the head coach that's going to be hired, why wouldn't you have both of them meet? It just seems like it's such a no-brainer to say, hey, if Deshaun is the reason why you want to be here— and Deshaun wants to be a part of this process, let's all get together. Let's go to dinner. Let's let's get on a Zoom. Let's have a conversation to make sure that everybody feels great about this. It just makes no sense.
3: No, and that's typical of that organization. So I'm going to put you in the shoes of Nick Casario. He's the new general manager in Houston, and I'm going to be Chris Greer, the general manager of the Dolphins. And by the way, if the Texans would move Deshaun Watson, it would be a net hit against their cap for next season of roughly $16 million. They'd get $5.6 million in savings, but they'd have $21.6 million in dead money. And let's also point out that at $17 million over the cap, J.J. Watt would be a cap savings of $17.5 million. So, uh, Nick, here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm, I'm Chris Greer, the Dolphins general manager. What's up, and, Chris? Uh, hey, it's all good. <laughs> last year, we made that deal where I got your first and second round picks, so mm-hmm. that you could get Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, who you've uh, since cut. So I own <laughs> number three and 36 in the upcoming draft. And last year, I spent the fifth pick in the draft on Tua Tangavailoa, who is an attractive commodity. If he wouldn't have gotten hurt, he would have been the first pick in the draft. Correct. All right, Nick, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you your picks back. I'm going, And you don't have picks, I know. I've, I've seen what your list is. You don't have a first, you don't have a second this year. I'm going to give you Tua. I'm going to give you your first round pick and your second round pick back. Plus, I'll give you my fourth. So I'm going to give you numbers 3, 36, and 114, plus Tua, In exchange for Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt. I'm going to clean up your cap. I'm going to give you draft capital so that you can start rebuilding again. I'm going to give you a quarterback that you can build around. And all I need back is Deshaun Watson.
0: And J.J. Watt.
3: And J.J. Watt. (laughs) Who you aren't going to have after next year anyway. And maybe not next year. You can't afford to have him around.
0: But it's still for even a limited time a very enticing thing to throw in the package oh that is a good deal and i don't know if either party says no i'm more inclined to say that houston would say no because i would not want to part with deshaun watson i don't care how upset and frustrated he is I find a way to smooth that over I find a way to make him happy Because he's the franchise He is the guy He is the reason why there's butts in the seats And why head coaches and GMs Like Casario are going Mm -hmm. to want to come here He's the main attraction Which is why it's insane That they dismissed him in this way Because he's the only reason Why people care about this About these vacancies
3: And I've got two things for you here Number one it is incumbent upon the organization specifically Nick Casario to include Watson in the head coach search process. And it is shocking, stunning, unbelievable that they're the one team with a coaching opening that says they're not going to interview Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Because their talent with Deshaun Watson is the closest thing of any of these openings to what Kansas City has. With the speed of receiver with Fuller and Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb, with the quarterback, with the left tackle, their offensive talent minus a running back is the closest thing to Kansas City that is available right now.
0: And I have to imagine that Deshaun Watson may have that name on his list. I would think so. (laughs) That they threw away like it was nothing. But in that scenario, even though you get the picks and you get Tua, which Mm. is an attractive part of this, I don't know if we're just looking at the quarterbacks involved. I'm certainly more inclined to want to go with Deshaun than I am, too. Even though he has so much potential, he's young, I'm I'm looking at the opportunity there to build around him with the picks. I just can't do it. I can't go for it.
3: The other team that has a ton of draft capital is the Jets with the second overall pick. They also have Seattle's first rounder at number 27. They have their own second rounder at 34, their own third rounder at 66, and then two third rounders, both or uh, a third rounder from Seattle. So they, they have two firsts, a second, and two thirds, but the second pick in the draft. I would think the Jets would be another team that, sh- and Sam Darnold, by the way, if if there's any inkling of Deshaun Watson, even if there isn't an inkling of Deshaun Watson being trade, traded, if you're the Jets, you make a, a, an offer too. You say, okay, I'll give you Darnold, I'll give you number two, Mm -hmm. 27, and 91. I'll give you uh, Sam Darnold, who was the third pick in the draft a couple of years ago. I'll give you the second pick in the draft. I'll give you the 27th pick in the draft, two first-rounders, and a third.
0: If you're a front office member and you open up your ESPN app yesterday and you see this headline, you, you see that Deshaun is unhappy and that he's whispering to teammates he may demand a trade. And the pecking order of teams that were on the phone with Houston yesterday, the Jets are there. I would imagine the Dolphins are there. The Patriots there?
3: I don't know if the... Well, they should be because Casario, because of that connection, right?
0: And because of their tenuous situation at quarterback.
3: Right. But the problem that the Patriots have is Bill Belichick mentioned during the season, one of the reasons that they're struggling is because of their cap situation. And I don't know that they would be able to bring in Watson and fit him in with everything else they want to do because they have players allegedly coming back off of the COVID 19 protocols. So actually, they do have, even though they have players coming back, they have a lot of dead money coming off the books. So they're going to be fourth in the league with cap money. So, yeah, the Patriots would have to be a team too. The problem is the draft capital and the young player capital that they don't have that those other franchises have. But yes, They should be. The Patriots should be on the phone with Casario.
0: But if you're Belichick and maybe in recent years you haven't had a major hit in the draft and you know that you need a quarterback to build around and you know that if we're talking Tom And Bill, legacy conversations and Tom's in the playoffs may go to the postseason. Bill Belichick's really competitive. He's incredibly competitive. And he knows that if he gets a guy like Deshaun Watson in the building, it increases his chances of winning. And what does he do best? He finds veteran players out there that he can bring in and he extracts the best out of them. So I don't wonder if he's looking at Deshaun Watson as... Obviously the main piece and then saying I'm going to do what I do best and I'm going to figure out how to bring in guys maybe who have a year, two years left and figure out how to do this around Deshaun.
3: And if I'm Houston, I am going to extract I because I'm looking at the second or third pick plus a young quarterback coming back from one of those other teams. If I'm Houston and New England is making the offer, because of Desha- what Deshaun Watson is in the NFL, and he's only 25 years old, I need more from New England than what the Rams got from Washington for for an unproven RG mm-hmm. three.
0: Was that six picks? Uh,
3: yeah, and three first rounders. It wound up being three first and a second, I believe, and then they were able to convert those into other picks. But I need th- three first rounders at least. Well, I need I need four first rounders in exchange for Deshaun Watson. Four. Wow. Yeah, he's a transcendent player. He's he's a young transcendent player. He's one of the five best quarterbacks in the league, and he's twenty five years old.
0: It's very enticing. Very enticing.
3: And by the way, if you're Belichick and you are self aware, you realize that you have not drafted particularly well anyway.
0: That's what absolutely. (laughs) I I would, if I'm Belichick, do that in a second. I would say but do do people of bill belichick have the self awareness to That's say the that question. probably not but i would i would look at it as such an opportunity hey this may be i'm i'm one of the greatest of all time but this may be something that i haven't excelled at in the past few mm-hmm. years and this removes it from the equation this lets me do what i do best while while retaining or bringing in an incredible player
3: and he could also tell everybody, look, I wanted to leave this organization better than when I got here. Not only did I get here and we won six Super Bowls, but you're better off in 2022 than you were when I arrived in 2000 because of the addition of a guy like Deshaun Watson.
0: Also, if you're the Bears, you're on the phone, right?
3: Oh, definitely. Absolutely. You are. Now, cap space wise, the Bears are... 89 million dollars over the cap so they have cuts to make before they could make that phone call but absolutely because of the fact that you missed out on him I think you have to you missed out on him
0: and it's again a situation that would make your team better
3: right and with Matt Nagy who is from the Andy Reid tree he would hopefully once again be able to implement some of the things they do in Kansas City with Chicago
0: And we talked about this last segment. Even though the Bears are in the playoffs, it doesn't really feel the way it should feel when your team's in the playoffs in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Imagine the excitement amongst Bears fans. Deshaun was always the one that got away. It was the one that haunted them at night. One of the ones, I should say. Imagine the goodwill Ryan Pace would generate amongst Bears fans if he was able to bring in Deshaun.
3: And at the end of the day, that's why... Hub Arkish is right. Because if you're the Texans now, I mean, it was one thing to have him get away when you didn't draft him. If you're the Texans and you let Deshaun Watson get away, that will haunt you forever. I wish It doesn't I, matter what you get.
0: But but as you mentioned, this is not an organization that parted with DeAndre Hopkins. They're not yep. afraid to, to do that if they think well, it's going to get them something in return. Well, that deal was just crazy That anyway. got their
3: coach and general manager fired. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> absolutely. But... If he's to the point where he is so unhappy and he's making it wide, widely known mm-hmm. and you... And I don't know if this isn't something that can't be smoothed over based on who they hire to be the head coach. Maybe yeah. that's something where they Basically
3: can, have to let him pick the guy.
0: Exactly. They could repair the relationship by giving him power in this scenario, which they should have given him before. Right. But if he's just looking at it saying, I don't really care who they hire to be the head coach. I'm unhappy. This place is toxic. I want out. I don't want to be around for a reboot in any way. Mm-hmm. Get me out now. I wonder if they're not looking at it saying, yeah, we could get a lot back yeah, and we could start fresh.
3: Definitely could. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. Stick around the fight is coming your way. We're right back to the character and
2: Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker.
0: Welcome back to this Friday edition of Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. We have a great fight today. We have a returning fighter in Tyler. Tyler got all four questions correct yesterday he just edged Randy out four to three so I'm anticipating another great battle today Tyler is with us good morning Tyler
6: good morning Michelle how are you
0: I'm doing wonderful you got anything fun planned for the weekend celebrating potentially another victory today
6: yeah hopefully that and then uh my cousin's in town from Virginia he's in the Navy so we're going to go bowling with all the cousins
0: oh that sounds great. are you a good bowler
6: uh, not at all, but it's fun to throw it down there and see where the pins go.
0: You know, that's how I feel about golf. Not great, but I just like <laughs> to be there and participate. Um, okay, Tyler. I agree more. Well, good luck to you today because if you win today, you are one step closer to getting into the Hall of Fame, which is a very prominent distinction, okay? <laughs> Question number one for you, Tyler. Deshaun Watson was the third quarterback taken in the 2017 NFL Draft at 12th overall. Who was the first quarterback taken in that 2017 draft? Was it Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Kaiser, or Mitchell Trubisky?
5: Can I get the options one more time, please?
0: Sure. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Kaiser, or Mitchell Trubisky? Who was the first quarterback taken in the 2017 NFL draft?
1: I got to go with Trubisky.
4: Tyler, Francisco Lindor finished second in the AL Rookie of the Year voting in 2015. Who won the AL Rookie of the Year back in 2015? Was it Miguel Sano, Carlos Correa, or Eddie Rosario?
5: Carlos Correa.
0: Tyler, the Blues acquired Oscar Sundquist during the 2017 NHL draft from which team? Was it the Edmonton Oilers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, or the Philadelphia Flyers?
6: The Pittsburgh Penguins saw Revo leave.
4: <laughs> and Tyler, what Cardinals player holds the NL record of 88 extra base hits by a rookie? Was it Stan Musial, Vince Coleman, or Albert Pujols?
5: Gotta go with Albert.
4: Whew, we're checking our
0: score. Don't really need to. Randy's on his way in. Tyler, how do you feel? Do you feel good about this fight?
6: Uh, I definitely felt better yesterday, but. Uh, the Trubisky one threw me off, but I, I think he went first.
0: Okay, we'll see how you did here in a second. Randy is here. Randy, say good morning again to Tyler.
3: Tyler, welcome back. How you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How are you? Good. Have a uh, great weekend. Enjoy all the football this weekend. Ty- Thank you. You as well.
0: Tyler's also going bowling this weekend. He has a cousin in town.
3: Good. Love it. Have, fun. Have a great time there. I haven't been bowling in a long time. I need to get out and bowl.
0: I haven't been. Should we do a... Uh... Yeah. team building team, exercise team building bowling yeah team building bowling <laughs> yeah I I didn't even think about bowling bowling lanes what do you call yeah, it a bowling it. lane yeah. being yeah. open I just don't think about anything being open
3: See Tyler things. has uh, opened up new avenues <laughs> for us that's right
0: um, I'm not a great bowler though Randy are yeah, you, are you use, do you use bumpers
3: No, but I'm not a good bowler.
0: I would rather suck at bowling Sands bumpers than embarrass myself by using bumpers. You you know, (laughs) anyway. All right, Randy, question number one. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson was the third quarterback taken in the 2017 NFL draft at number 12 overall. Who was the first quarterback taken in that 2017 draft?
3: It was Mitchell Trubisky randy
4: francisco lindor finished second in the al rookie of the year voting in 2015 who won al rookie of the year in 2015
3: 2015 al rookie of the year um i I don't want to take the time to go through all the teams i'll just use the lifeline
4: was it miguel Sano, carlos correa or eddie rosario
3: that would have been uh carlos correa i believe
0: Randy, question number three. The Blues acquired Oscar Sundquist during the 2017 NHL draft from which team?
3: Penguins. Did you see, by the way, that the Blues wanted to take him at 86? Penguins took him at 82. So the Blues had to take their consolation prize at 86 of Colton Pareco. Huh. Wow. And then they wound up with Sonny anyway.
4: There you go. Randy, what Cardinals player holds the NL record of 88 extra base hits by a rookie? Albert.
0: Heck of a fight again. We actually have a tie. We have a tie. Tyler and Randy both got all four correct. (laughs) So, Tyler, I'm going to remind you this is what it means. We are going to a tiebreaker question. Randy is getting, normally he does it on a post-it or a piece of paper. He's getting a piece of paper out. I got a post-it. Okay, there you go. What's gonna happen, Tyler, is I am going to read the tiebreaker question. As I'm reading it, Randy is going to write down his answer, but you get first crack at it. We're gonna give you about 10 seconds to answer, then Randy will reveal what he wrote on the post-it, and either the first one to win or closest to the pin will advance. Does that sound good to you?
6: Yes, it does.
0: Okay, here is our tiebreaker question, and this is an interesting one. The question is, Tyler, when was the last season that Slew competed in college football?
5: Oh, God.
0: <laughs> I know. Tanner did not do you any favors with this one.
5: Oh, man. Um,
0: Randy wrote down. Okay. I see what Randy said.
6: I'll just go with my dad's birth year. 66. Sounds
3: like a good number. Um, I'm just going to roll with it.
0: Okay. 1966 is Tyler's answer. Randy, your answer is?
3: 1945. 19,
2: 1945.
0: We have a winner.
2: We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carriker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs.
0: As you heard, Randy <laughs> comes in with the tiebreaker. I hate Tyler that that's the question you lost on because you've been outstanding for two days. So let's reveal the answers. The first question was about Deshaun Watson. He was the third quarterback taken in the 2017 NFL draft. But the first quarterback taken in that draft was Mitchell Trubisky with the second overall pick. Francisco Lindor finished second in the AL Rookie of the Year voting in 2015 behind Carlos Correa, who was the AL Rookie of the Year that year. The Blues acquired Oscar Sundquist during the 2017 NHL draft from the Pittsburgh Penguins. As you you heard Tyler mention they acquired Sunquist and a first round pick in exchange for Ryan Reeves and a second round pick that year. And it is Albert Pujols back in 2001 who holds the National League record of 88 extra base hits by a rookie. Now here's where it got tricky. The tiebreaker question was, when was the last season that SLU competed in college football? Tyler said 1966. Shout out to his dad, his birth year. Randy says 1945. The correct answer is 1949. Randy was closest to the pin, therefore he takes the W. Tyler, great job competing. Have fun this weekend bowling.
3: Thank you. You have a good weekend watching some football. Thanks, Tyler. Take care. Tyler with Thank us you. on 101 ESPN.
0: Man, that bums me out for him. He got all of the questions he should get correct, and that was yeah. such a tough tiebreaker it question.
3: Want uh, a fun fact? We always like fun facts on character and Smallman, right? I love fun facts. Uh, Michelle, September fifth, 1906, St. Louis University at Carroll College. Okay. And a gentleman by the name of Bradbury Robinson for St. Louis University becomes the first person to throw a forward pass in a football game. The wow. first forward pass in football history was thrown by St. Louis University.
0: All right. History.
3: So, it's, so everything you're seeing in the NFL today is a product of St. Louis.
0: All roads lead back to St. Louis, don't they, Randy?
3: They they do. Would we even be talking about trading Deshaun Watson if there were no such thing as a forward pass? No.
0: And to think that not only does SLU not have the football program, they lost it, as we just heard, in 1949, but that they are basically the people, this is the, the program that made the modern NFL the way it is, and we don't have a pro football team here in St. Louis or a college football team that started it all? It's not fair.
3: It sure is not.
0: St. Louis, you're home for football. Remember that.
3: (laughs) Coming up on 101 ESPN, is there a change of foot on the Blues roster? And
2: we're right back to the Carragher and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: You might remember uh, a little while ago, I believe it was last offseason, the Angels fired one of their clubhouse guys because he was putting together a substance that helped pitchers grip the baseball. The clubhouse guy's name is Brian Harkins, and he is involved in a lawsuit and a revealing text message from Garrett Cole has been submitted as evidence in Harkins' quest to prove that he was unfairly made a scapegoat when the Angels fired him as their clubhouse attendant. The The text from Garrett Cole uh, says, Hey, Bubba, it's Garrett Cole. I was wondering if you could help me out with this sticky situation. (laughs) Winky face emoji. We don't see you until May, but we have some road games in April that are in cold weather places. The stuff I had last year seizes up when it gets cold. So this was really good grip material that even when the pitchers were in cold weather, it still worked. And there are an array of pitchers that have been accused of using this substance that Harkins provided among them from the Angels, Cole and Verlander, former Cardinal Edwin Jackson, St. Louis and Max Scherzer of the Nationals, Felix Hernandez, Corey Kluber, Jabba Chamberlain, Tyler Chatwood, and Adam Wainwright is also on the list of players who previously asked for... This specific blend of pine tar and rosin, which became popular throughout the league after he made it for former closer Troy Percival more than 20 years ago. So Adam Wainwright is on this list. And Michelle, I want to get your opinion on this. But this is something actually that showed up in the 2006 World Series. Kenny Rogers of the Tigers had something on his hand and something on his cap. And Tony La didn't even go out to the mound. And as it eventually turned out, Uh, Players said, hey, we didn't want him going out to the mound because we use stuff, too. Pretty much every good pitcher, every pitcher, I would think, uses something to enhance their grip on the ball. Mm -hmm. And just because this was better stuff than the other stuff that they're using, I don't think that there is a good reason to say anything, well, not say anything negatives. to accuse these pitchers of cheating. Let's put it that yes, way. Yes. Because, it, it, first of all, you can use a, a substance. And second of all, everybody does it.
0: <laughs> Correct. But then I think baseball needs to take a look at the rules because obviously they're saying, hey, we don't want people using foreign substances and we don't want clubs facilitating this practice, Mm. which is why you had this guy fired in Anaheim. But I understand his stance on all of this. If he's saying, I've never done anything but get praised for the work that I was doing, and I had all of these pitchers seeking me out for this, and then all of a sudden, because it's against what baseball is saying, you're going to hold me and only me accountable for this?
3: And my argument, if I'm the Angels, is... He was selling selling it to pitchers from other teams that we're competing against.
0: <laughs> so it's not that we're angry he was creating it. We're <laughs> mad he didn't keep it in-house. Exactly. <laughs> yes. That would
3: be my issue if I had, uh, if I were in that situation like them. Uh, now, the opposition uh, from the Angels includes 16-year Major League players, Wally Joyner and Mike Sweeney, who said the commonality and acceptance of the practice – Uh, And they lauded Harkin's reputation. Declarations also made by White Sox clubhouse manager Gabe Morel and former Angels bat boy and clubhouse attendant Vince Willett, who said that uh, the mixture of rosin and pine tar was a constant presence in the Angels' bullpen bag, but again, throughout baseball.
0: So basically baseball's cracking down on this because they realized that it was impacting spin rate, Right. So they were saying, we don't want you to be able to enhance your performance in this way. But it's such a a sticky situation, Randy. (laughs) There's so much gray area because some things are allowed. And it's known that most pitchers do use things to enhance their grips, but not so much. They they want you to use some things, just not something that enhances it so much. So it gets kind of confusing.
3: I do think if... Uh, To to be realistic about it, if he doesn't sell it to opposing players, this is no issue. Baseball didn't investigate a few years ago when Verlander went to the Astros and Trevor Bauer tweeted that the spin rate of people that went to Houston got better. He said, I wonder why that is, and mentioned the substance that they might be using. So I do think it's an accepted thing in baseball, but what's not accepted is providing help to the opposition. That's to me the bottom line here. And I, I think that they have if the Angels fired him for that reason I think they have a legitimate gripe, a, a legitimate reason for firing him.
0: But look at the the list of names that he was providing the yeah. substance to. Some pretty good pitchers on that list.
3: Yeah. So, and
0: must have, it must have been good stuff is what I'm saying.
3: And most of those pitchers by the way have pretty good curveballs. mm Mhm. So that's the way it is. Does
0: it bother you that Adam Wainwright's names on this list? No, he has a good curveball, <laughs> and
3: he pitches you. in cold weather. It's, uh, you know what? If I'm a hitter, I don't want a guy feel like to have, feel like he's throwing a cue ball that he has no control over because that that might hit me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to have the pitchers to have better control in cold weather.
0: One more thing about this. I love Garrett Coles text message where, where he thought he was being sneaky by saying a sticky situation wink face <laughs> yeah. as if that doesn't completely give it away if that's your code right. for this substance yeah. you maybe try to hide it just a yeah. little more because and i'm surprised that if this was something players were trying to keep on the deal that they would even text about it wouldn't you call or wouldn't you make sure that there was no paper trail or no text trail
3: you'd try to you yeah you try
0: to that's why i yeah. think if players are i don't know it's it's just interesting that one person's being held accountable for this if it's something that's generally accepted.
3: Michelle, the Blues will be practicing again today, and they've talked about it. And we've seen the real advances of young players by the Blues. Nico McCola had a really good scrimmage the other night, and Jordan Kairou is on the third line. And you're thinking at the beginning of the season, okay, if Cairo isn't playing in the in a top-six role, he's probably going to be on the taxi squad. And same thing with Mikola, who, by the way, is easy to put on the practice squad. For players that are more than two years pro, they have to go through waivers to make it to the, the taxi squad. Basically, the taxi squad is guys that would have been in the minors. And they could easily put Mikola on the practice squad, Mikola, <laughs> and still maintain Krug, Pareko, Falk, Scandella, Dunn, Bortuzzo, and... Carl Gunnarsson on the roster and then bring Mikola up. I think that would be a smarter move. Unless they feel like they have a salary cap crunch, that would be a smarter move than putting Carl Gunnarsson on waivers and essentially having as your seventh defenseman Mikola at the expense of maybe keeping Gunnarsson on your team because I don't think that the Blues want to allow the experience of Gunderson to walk out the door mm-hmm. in the last year of his contract. And then you could put Perunovic or Ranky or Walman on the, on the taxi squad as well. The taxi squad, by the way, for this year only, it's four to six men. It inclu- must include a goalie. So the Blues will have to have uh, one of their guys, that uh, it, one of their young goalies on the team or on the pre- taxi squad. And I think the Blues are probably going to go with 13 and 8 as uh, their setup for the roster. They have a 23-man roster, so you'll have 13 forwards, probably 7 defensemen, no, 8 defensemen. So it'll be 13, 8, and then 2 goalies. And then Kairou, I think, is easy to keep on the roster. I don't think there's any problem at all keeping him on the regular roster and not having him on the practice, on the taxi squad.
0: Based on the way that they've been playing in camp, though, you have to wonder what their roles are going to be on this team. Both of them have made their presence known, and I'm assuming are only going to continue to show out in in practice and in scrimmages. So it's going to be interesting to see what their roles are going to be with the Blues this year.
3: And Kyrou, if he's playing with Sammy Blay, who's a big fella, as we know, goes to the net, and Tyler Bozak, who's very responsible defensively, if you have a, a third line, of Bozak, Blay, and Cairou. I'm I'm intrigued by that. I would rather have Kairou playing at right wing on that line than Sean McEchern or Nathan Walker. And then your fourth line is going to be Sunquist, Clifford, and Barbashev. So I'd think not only is Kairou on the roster and not on the taxi, but he's probably in the lineup on a regular basis at the beginning of the season. And then you keep McKeckern because he's on a one-way contract, and then Nathan Walker could make it to your practice squad. I think that's a, it, the Blues roster composition will be pretty easy to put together. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got today's big thing. How does the trade of Francisco Lindor affect the Cardinals? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carragher and Smallman podcast on
2: 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: It's 9.03 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, the Mets acquisition of Francisco Lindor, to me, really changes the landscape of Major League Baseball on a couple of fronts. Number one, with the acquisition of McCann and Carrasco, in addition to Lindor, the Mets are legit. The Mets are very close to being good. And if I'm the Phillies, I'm kind of despondent. If I'm the Braves, I'm looking over my shoulder. And if I'm the Nationals, I'm thinking, okay, I need to do something here so that I can hang with the Mets. Because the Mets, I think, are just one bat away from being right there with Atlanta as the best team in the National League East.
0: And they're not done.
3: They're no, not done. No, they're going to go get something else. Right. Another part of this is Cleveland. They've always been a contender in the American League Central. They, Even though they have good pitching, They lose Carrasco and they lose Lindor. They aren't a contender anymore. So the White Sox, the Twins, they absolutely love that this happened.
0: How do you think it affects or does it at all, the Cardinals and the NL Central?
3: I think just the fact that we aren't... I know that there were dreams. I know, for example, BK dreamed of getting Francisco Lindor.
0: Didn't we all? Didn't we all? That
3: dream is out the window. And I think it does, again, tell you about the NL Central, that... No team was willing to give up more in terms of prospects, and the Mets didn't give up much to get those two guys, who for this year would have made any team in the NL Central a prohibitive favorite to win.
0: Head and shoulders better than everybody else. I guess for me, what I learned about this is the Mets are positioning themselves to be a World Series contender, whereas I still think the Cardinals are positioning themselves by not doing anything to compete for the division.
3: Right. Yeah, there's no doubt that the philosophies and the hopes and dreams of those two organizations are in different worlds right now.
0: And and this is why it's hard for me when we talk about the Cardinals in the offseason and projecting into the future to talk about a hypothetical Francisco Lindor trade before this went down with the Mets. We would talk about different things to talk about on the show and I said I cannot psych myself up to talk about this because it's a fairy tale. It's not going to happen. So why waste the energy and get ourselves worked up about it when we know it's not not it's not realistic the Cardinals are not going to do this
3: and the Cardinals are reducing payroll but when you talk about reducing payroll with the departures of Lindor and Carrasco Michelle the Cleveland Indians payroll right now is thirty five million dollars there are six players in baseball that make more than the Cleveland Indians do dang in that wild that is crazy trout Cole I think Mookie Betts Arenado is one of those it's it's crazy So that's what Cleveland has become. And that's where the bottom half of markets, if not the bottom two-thirds of markets, are headed to less than $100 million payrolls. Once the Cardinals don't have Wainwright, Molina Carpenter, Fowler, Miller anymore, they're payroll's probably going to be in the 80 85 million dollar range
0: doesn't that make what tampa bay was able to to do and the collection of players they were able to put together that much more impressive it's
3: all about being smart
0: it is and boy were they
3: june lee of mlb talked to cheney and golik on espn radio about how this trade affects fans you know
2: the fact that he was playing in cleveland was probably holding him back from kind of realizing his full potential as a face of baseball. And so for baseball, I think Major League Baseball as like a as business is probably very happy about Francisco Lindor moving to the New York Mets. Now, if you're a Cleveland Indians fan today, I'm probably serious. I mean, at the end of the day, you're trading a guy who's a generational type talent at the shortstop position uh, for prospects who you hope maybe turn out to be a thir- uh, three quarters of the player that Francisco, Francisco Lindor is. And for me, this is just kind of a disturbing, you know, sad trend uh, for fans. Over the last
3: couple of years? It's the reality of the situation, though. Without 100% revenue sharing Mm -hmm. and without a salary cap or a salary floor, there was no way that the Indians would be able, the the Cleveland baseball team would be able to keep Francisco Lindor. And you know what, Michelle? Those fans have known that since the Indians... they were the Indians then, were in the World Series in 2016. They knew that they weren't going to be able to keep Francisco Lindor. Browns fans of this weekend will know that they'll be able to keep Baker Mayfield for their whole career. Same city. But Indians fans knew that they couldn't in 2016 keep Francisco Lindor.
0: But don't you think that's a problem for baseball? Huge. Because if I was a Cleveland fan and I woke up this morning... And it really sunk in. Francisco Lindor is gone. It was something that was hanging in the balance for a while. It it was inevitable. But to have it actually happen, why would I get excited about this team? Why would I want to pour my money into this team? So that I could say, you know what? You guys may find a generational talent. You may find a superstar. But why would I want to get emotionally attached to him when I know he's just going to leave to go to a bigger market and a team that's going to pay him more money? Why would I want to continue to do that to myself?
3: in business, it doesn't matter what business it is, you want to spend money on a quality product. You just bought a new car and you, you hope that it's a quality product. But if you know that something is not going to be a quality product, why should you spend your money on it? If you know for darn well, if you're a Cleveland baseball fan and you're able to buy tickets in 2021, why would you? Unless you're going to see the other team or you just love, love, love baseball. But in terms of being entertained or thinking that your team is going to be good. Maybe you want to just go see Shane Bieber, but you aren't going to go because you think that team has a chance to win.
0: We love the game of baseball, but fans are fanatics because of the competition and because of the players that they cheer for. And if you have a superstar and he leaves your team for financial reasons, that's heartbreak. That's not just, right. oh, I had a problem with my car. It's not the product that I want. I'm going to tune in for the game. That's I'm heartbroken because this person that I enjoyed watching, the reason that I tuned in a lot of the time is gone.
3: Now, MLB.com's Mike Petriello tweeted about the Mets last night. He said, if the Mets don't end up with George Springer, what they really ought to do is trade for Harrison Bader, who mm. is a native New Yorker. I wonder if the Cardinals and the Mets are a match in terms of what the Cardinals need. Now, the Mets' top prospect is a middle infielder by the name of Ronnie Mauricio. His ETA is 2022. That's when the Cardinals expect to be competitive for a world championship again. If I were the Cardinals and I could get a couple of their top 10 prospects, and by the way, they didn't have to get rid of any of their top 10 prospects to get Francisco Lindor, but if I could get Ronnie Mauricio and maybe their number two prospect, Francisco Alvarez. I would certainly look at that if I were the Cardinals, because you still have Lane Thomas, who's a very good defensive center fielder. And obviously we know the other outfielders that they have. You have enough guys that you could cover and, again, build for the future. Because I, I think if the Cardinals go into the season, like you said, they're probably going in with the idea that we'll win the division. But any realistic person, they aren't going to win the World Series.
0: And weren't the Mets interested in Harrison Bader previously?
3: Yes, when Zach Wheeler was on the market and the Cardinals were uh, in the market for a starting pitcher. That obviously never came about, but that's who they asked for, Mm -hmm. for Zach Wheeler.
0: And the Cardinals said no. And I wonder how differently they view the situation now if Harrison Bader, who wasn't someone they were willing to part with then, is someone they'd be willing to make a deal for now.
3: And now he's getting closer to arbitration, he's more expensive. And you had, even though he was better last year, you had a really bad year and then a better year last year, but he hasn't shown himself to be great. Now, again, if you're the Cardinals and you've mentioned this before, Michelle, you would hate for him to go to New York and light it up and have a Rosarena lighting it up in the American League and him lighting it up in the National League.
0: That's exactly what I just thought of, because he is a native New Yorker, he would be Clearly, a perfect fit for that market. He, I can just imagine him making sensational plays on this really fun Mets team. Us having to watch Harrison Bader on SportsCenter. No, I know most people driving in their cars listening to this right now say, "Good Reddins, get rid of him. He's not going yep. to succeed here in St. Louis." But you might be singing a different tune if. To your point, you're watching Randy Arenas continue to light it up for Tampa, and then Harrison Bader is yet another player who succeeds elsewhere, who couldn't get it done here in St. Louis. Then you have to look internally and ask more questions about your evaluation of players and maybe what it is about the organizational structure or culture that doesn't allow these guys to succeed here. And we don't know if that's going to happen or not, but... It just seems like the Cardinals have been in on Harrison Bader for a while. They believe in his potential and this is something that they wanted to see through and even if it's a good deal presented to them based on all the things I just mentioned, I don't know if they're still hesitant to to make that deal or to let go are. of him.
3: Yeah. What well, a quick note. Ordinarily during an off season somebody signs a player, trades for a player and you go, "Huh, that's cool. That's interesting." But because of the inactivity in baseball this off season I'm really happy for fans of the Royals and the Padres and the Mets who are the only three teams that are doing anything.
0: I'm so jealous of them. (laughs) I am so jealous of them. I thought about that when the Mets, when it was announced that the Mets went out and made that move. I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be so fun to have this new owner, and this is nothing against Mm -hmm. the DeWitts, but I'm just saying in theory, to have this new owner who's Thirsty to spend and prove himself. We're in a pandemic. Not a lot of exciting stuff is happening. We don't know when baseball is going to start, but your team is the team going out there, spending all this money and acquiring stars like Francisco Lindor. And then you're not done. You're still in on George Springer. It's awesome. It's Christmas in January.
3: John Sherman, new owner of the Royals. Peter Seidler, new owner of the Padres. Mm -hmm. And Steve Cohen, who's a good follow on Twitter, by the way, new owner of the Mets. He said last night on Twitter, he said, I know people are really excited about this trade, but can we get back to the most important thing, black jerseys? (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. Coming up, Joey V, Joey Vitale on
2: 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carragher and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: Michelle and Randy, and off to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line where our friend, the Blues analyst here on 101 ESPN, Joey Vitale, joins us as he does every Friday. Good morning, sir. How are you doing?
6: Randy, Michelle, doing great today. How are you guys doing?
3: Everything's great here in the studio. It was great to hear you uh, on the air talking hockey with a game going on the other night.
6: <laughs> hey, that was something, wasn't it? That, was, that felt right. It felt uh, felt like being back on something really good, not only the game, but Seeing the familiar faces, you know, the the Darren Pangs and the Fox Sports team and, you know, Doug Armstrong across the rink and the coaches up scouting. And it was fun. It was fun to be back. It was fun to see the players and and sharing some laughs and just kind of talk, talk about what we love so much, which is the sport of hockey. And I'm excited for next week.
0: Well, Joy, as you watched the Blues take the ice in that scrimmage, as you walked away from that, who are a couple of players that caught your eye?
6: Uh, Michelle, you know, a couple to me, to me, heading into that scrimmage, you know, inner, inner team scrimmage before this season, all the chaos, and everything's kind of going on. You know, you, 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 don't know what, what this will necessarily be. It's a, it's a practice game. Obviously the, the main thing is you don't want anyone getting hurt. No one did, but they're, they're really, there's a big difference in what these games mean to certain people versus others for Ryan O'Reilly or Colton Pareko. Those games don't mean much. It's just about getting their reps in and getting ready for next week. But, To me, there were a couple players that that game in particular was mostly about and the spotlight was going to be on. And it really kind of revolves around this third line for the St. Louis Blues, which I think is the biggest question mark as far as what this looks like for this head coach and Craig Berube. You got Tyler Bozak that's going to be anchoring it. I think that's the staple. But I think the wingers are kind of uncertain right now at this point. There's two spots for three players. There's Zach Sanford, Sammy Blay, and now Jordan Cairo, who's been making some good splash here in camp. So there's three guys right there that to me, that scrimmage was about, and you look at all the players; they all ended up on the board. I thought they all played very well as far as getting some points and raising some eyebrows. But of those three guys, I think the, the, the best of all three was actually Jordan Cairo. That's a bit of a surprise scene as you know, Sammy Blay and Zach Sanford have been more consistently in this lineup in the national hockey league level than Jordan Cairo. But I think Jordan Cairo has, has been been given something this year, Uh, more so than he's probably been given in the years past, which has been interesting to see how he has continued to evolve into a great hockey player. And what I think that is is confidence. I think you look at the last two camps, Jordan Cairo was always that kind of guy penciled in, but not really in. And I think they were kind of looking for him to kind of just make his, make his stand and is trying to find his way. And I think he's always kind of been the odd man out. And I think that's kind of disrupted his confidence a little bit. Maybe it hasn't really led to him to become the player that, that he is, you know, you look at his call-ups over the last couple of years. Comes up for a couple of games, maybe gets a goal, shows great speed, but he turns puck over a couple of times, and then right back he's out of the lineup again. So I think the confidence thing's always been um, against Jordan Cairo, but now he comes into camp this year. He's got these amazing tools, he's got this amazing speed. We've all seen his offensive uptake, right? But the one thing that he's been given, I think, this year because of the opportunity presented, is confidence. They're telling him to hey. This third line spot right now is yours. It's not Sammy Blaze, even though Sammy Blaze Stanley Cup champion, he means a lot to this team. But we need speed and we need some depth scoring, and you can provide that. So here you go. Here it is on a platter. You're going to be our starting third line winger. Now go out there and, and do something with it. So he's been given that confidence, I think, from this coaching staff more so than the last couple of years, and he really is doing great things with it. He looks fuller. He looks bigger. He even looks faster. Uh, He just looks more confident. You see him moving his mouth. He's not really a chatty kid, but he's moving his mouth out there in the scrimmage. To me, if he continues to play like this, it could be that depth scoring the Blues have desperately needed over the last
3: couple of seasons. Joey, do you like having a guy? I I do, but from a player's perspective, and you've been in the game so much, do you you like it that a legitimate NHL player or two is going to have to sit every night, whether it's one of the three that you mentioned, Blay, Sanford, Kyrou, and then on defense, you've got Gunnarsson and Mikola and Dunn and Bortuzzo behind your your top two defense pairs. Do you like the idea of having legitimate guys waiting in the wings like that?
6: I do because you you have guys that are always ready and more importantly, Randy, you have guys that are in the lineup that are hungry, hungry to stay there. You know, when I was playing on teams and when you see teams around the league, when they're decimated with injuries, right, you know, you know, as a player, the coaches have to play me, the coaches have to put me on the power play because they don't have anyone else. When you have a healthy group like the blues have had uh, very fortunately over the last couple seasons. When you have a healthy group and you have NHL ready guys waiting, watching from the upper deck, you know, not only those players up in the upper deck are hungry, everyone on that ice is always chomping at the bit to make sure that they stay in the lineup. So there is that, there is that, um, there is that ability to stay hungry, which makes players, I think it elevates their game. You know, there's the other side where, well, if a player's just confident, he's in his spot, doesn't he, doesn't he feel like maybe he can play better knowing to me, uh, yes, if you're like a Ryan O'Reilly and a Vladimir Tarasenko, but of all those bubble guys you mentioned, a uh, Sammy Blay, a uh, Jordan Kyer, Zach Sanford, uh, Carl Gunnerson, Robert Bortuzzo, all those players that are in, out, in, out, in, out. I think the hunger. You need that hunger. I think I think it's it's very important because when they're out, they they so desperately want to get back in, and when you put them back in, they're like a caged lion. And then when they are in, they want to stay in. So I think that hunger is very important. For those bubble guys, and I think that assuming the Blues stay relatively injury-free this year, they're going to have that flexibility. And with as many games as we're going to have with the taxi squad, I think they're going to need those interchangeable parts quite a bit.
3: And Joey, the other thing I really like about it from a Blues fan standpoint is that you lose Maroon, Steen, Tarasenko, Bo Meester, Petro, and don't get a player back for any of those guys, yet you still have these depth issues.
6: (laughs) Well, it's it's amazing. I mean, honestly, God, you you mentioned those five players and I, and we mentioned those five players the other day, Randy, and I'm sitting here looking at this team on paper and I'm watching this team play and how, how how, how is this possible? But you lose those five, six guys like you mentioned. And I'm I'm seriously looking at this team. Like I think we're a better team today than we were last year. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's amazing to think that you lost those guys. Like let's just look at the defense, for example. You lose Petrangelo, you know one of the best defensemen in the league. Okay, but you do gain Tory Krug, and in some ways, you gain a Justin Falk because Justin Falk was kind of in the shadows for a while there because Petro was the guy. So now you actually you get two extremely uh, high caliber defensemen for for the price of losing one. If that makes any sense, so mm-hmm. it is weird how you lose players, but now but now these other players have the opportunity to take over. Let's look at the offensive side for a second. Yes, you lose Vladimir Tarasenko, but guess who is just coming through with with, with shiny armor and is really, I think he's going to have the breakout year of his career, is going to be Robert Thomas, who's going to be centering this top line. I'm watching him yesterday come to the neutral zone with speed. He looks fuller. He looks thicker. He's never had this much time off in probably the last four years because you look at him when he played juniors, he went back-to-back Cups, Uh, He went to the finals two years in a row. Then he wins the Stanley Cup. He has never had an opportunity to really uh, have his body catch up and and develop. And now he looks like a man out there. And he is moving like a man. He is moving confidently in his third year this coming year. I think it's going to be a breakout year for him. But, again, an opportunity presented to a young stud forward only because of guys that are going to be missing. So it, it, it is strange. It is strange to say you're losing all those guys and we are still a team that is known around the league that is going to be dangerous and one of the top teams to compete for a cup this year.
0: Speaking of dangerous, Joey, let's talk about the power play. The blues are third in the power play last season. They go out, they get Tory Krug, Mike Kaufman, you have Jimmy Montgomery on the coaching staff. When you look at this group of players, how lethal can the blues power play be?
6: I think we could be a top power play in the national hockey league. I think by the end of the season, I think we should have, we could have the number one power play. Uh, you, you look at Washington, they're always going to be up there. Boston um, was always up there, but now they've lost Krug. So you're looking at just a couple uh, high caliber ones across the league. I think we are now that, that team. I think we were so, uh, in some ways, one-dimensional for the last couple seasons. And what I mean by the one-dimensional is we were a great five-on-five team. We were heavy and snarly, and just we four-checked the heck out of teams and we just wore teams down. That was our, that was our MO, right? That was our, that was our bread and butter. But one of the kind of areas we maybe weren't as consistent was was the power play. We'd have games where we should, if we had a halfway decent of a power play, we should just walk away with these wins. And then our power play would suffer with a shorthanded goal. But we were so good five on five, we actually made up for it. But now I look at this team. This this blue team is going to be equally, if not better, five on five. But now we have this different element. We almost have this like Tampa Bay effect where Tampa Bay – you know, at times we're not very good five on five, but they had such a freaking good power play that they would actually win games because the talent and talent on the power play alone. Now imagine that, imagine the blues are going to be good five on five and they're going to get a goal or two here and there in these games. And they're going to help them win games. You look at Mike Hoffman, a kid they take from Florida, you know, five on five, he's probably got a little bit of work to do here in St. Louis It's going to be a very different system in Florida and the Western conference is extremely different hockey than the Eastern conference. I don't know if he is going to be uh, ready from the get go to play that kind of heavy style, but he's an exceptional power play guy. Keith Yandel, who was his buddy in Florida, just set him up with one timers all year long for the last two seasons. He told me over the phone, just just give him the puck, put it anywhere near his one timer spot. And he's going to score at least 20 a goal 20 a year on the power play alone. So that's going to be a weapon, but the biggest weapon is going to be the quarterback. It's going to be Tory Krug. We all seen what he's done in Boston over the last eight nine years. Yes, you have Bergeron and Marchand. You got these great players that hit these scene passes, but it all always goes through that captain, always goes through that quarterback, the guy at the top of the key. And it's been Tory Krug. He's got this amazing ability to look players off. He's incredible at getting up in the ice, getting to the offense zone, buttoning it up, and having puck puck possession. He doesn't give up the puck too much either. So, Torrey Krug on the top of the key. Mike Hoffman's going to be a one-time threat, Michelle. And and this is something the Blues have not had. And probably the last two to three seasons is a one-time threat. Look at Alex Ovechkin in Washington. He's got that one-timer. Everyone in the PK knows it's coming, so you have to guard it. When you guard that, everything else kind of opens up. The Blues have not had that. Vladdy likes his off-wing. Perron likes his off wing. So as much as you like to see those guys do it and they are effective at it, the way they kind of drag that puck across their body and go across the net and score goals. But that one time threat is something the blues have not had. Now with Hoffman, you have it. He's got an absolute BB for a one timer on that left side. So now that teams know that that could be coming, you just wait. I mean, wait for these seams now to open up. And the good news is they have a great quarterback and Torrey crew that will find those seams, hit them. And hopefully, like I said, we will go from more of that five-on-five, one-dimensional team to having this great power play that can come in night and night out consistently where they can win you games, even if for some reason five-on-five it ain't there or maybe your goaltender lets in a couple-week goal.
3: Hey, Joey, I got an uh, air fryer for Christmas. You talk about a game changer. It takes oil out of the equation and made some orange chicken yesterday. It was delicious. Have you utilized a, uh, uh, an air fryer yet?
6: Randy, to me, air fryers, are a lot like, uh, they're a lot like chihuahua dogs. Either you love them or you hate them, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not a taker. I'm not a taker on. Uh, I, I'm a big oil guy. Listen, olive oil to me from from my home country. You got to have a ton of olive oil. I know Michelle knows what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I don't, there's nothing wrong with oil, uh, or or as the southern or the southern folk call peanut oil. You ever, <laughs> you ever hear someone? You ever hear someone from the south like, oh yeah, rub a little peanut oil, oh. little peanut oil on my fried chicken. No, I love oil. I'm a big oil fan, Randy. But you know what? When you get up a little older, like I probably will be here another 20 years. I gotta, I gotta watch it. But right now, I'm not a big. Not a big taker on the air fryer.
3: All right. Uh, t- uh, I'll bring you something that's air fried and you'll like it. As long as it's as long as long uh, carrot cake. <laughs> if you
6: air fried your carrot cake, I need
3: that. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, hopefully we can get out and uh, see each other at the rink very soon. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Michelle. Have a great weekend, guys. See you, buddy. That is Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Next up... What are we going to keep an eye on in the wildcard games this weekend? I'm going to give you a little bit of a surprise next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast
2: on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: six games of Super Wild Card Weekend here on 101 ESPN. Starting at noon tomorrow, Michelle, you've got the Colts at the Bills. Mm -hmm. The Colts have the number 17 uh, or the Bills, rather, have the number 17 rush defense in the league. Last week, Jonathan Taylor, who ran for 1,100 yards this season, had 253 yards on 30 carries for Indy in their finale. Indianapolis has the number 10 ranked scoring defense in the league, the number seven defense overall. If there is an opportunity for an upset this weekend, the Bills are a six and a half point favorite. And as well as Buffalo has been playing, don't sleep on the Indianapolis Colts. I- I'm not picking them. I would say that they have a great chance to cover that spread. And I think there- if there is a chance one of the underdogs to win this weekend. It's going to come in the first game tomorrow with Indy at Buffalo.
0: Yeah, could they slow down Josh Allen in this offense? I think they're going to have to force a big turnover, right? That's probably going to be the way that they win this game if they can, but Even though I think this will probably be closer than some of the other games, I still see the Bills winning.
3: The next game at 340 tomorrow, the L.A. Rams are at Seattle. Seattle's been different defensively since they got Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams came back, and he's healthy. And I don't think it really matters who plays quarterback for the Rams. I don't think that the Rams are going to be able to score enough on Seattle. And we know what Russell Wilson does, even against the number one defense in the league. The last, it'll be a game like the last one we saw between the Rams and the Seahawks, and the Seahawks will probably win a relatively low-scoring game.
0: Yeah, if you're the Rams, you're looking at their defense saying, pressure, pressure, pressure on Russell Wilson. This is really our only chance to win this game. Russell Wilson has faced pressure at the fourth-highest rate in the league this season. Sometimes it's caught him up, but again, I even saying that, I think the Seahawks win this game.
3: Do I have too much confidence in Tom Brady playing a primetime game at 7.15 tomorrow at Washington against that group of four first-round draft choice defensive linemen?
0: Do you have too much confidence in him, meaning he hasn't performed well in primetime games this season? Meaning he usually goes to bed at at the time the game will be started? Yes. Maybe. Maybe. But I still think that they win.
3: (laughs) Washington doesn't score. We talk about Brady all the time. That Buccaneers defense is really good and it doesn't matter who's playing for them and by the way they're talking about splitting time between taylor heineke and alex smith i don't think it matters who's under center for washington i think the key here is the buccaneers defense will stifle washington and that's why i have tampa bay winning not they might win because of tom brady but that's not why i would pick them to win
0: you have a lot more confidence and a tired tom brady to go out there and execute than you do the washington football team's offense
3: right Uh, At noon on Sunday, the Ravens at the Titans, and the Ravens will have to slow down Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and that passing game and that A.J. Brown is really tough for Tennessee. I think this is going to be a great game, but I like the momentum of the Ravens right now.
0: I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend. I can't wait to watch it. I think it's going to be a head-to-head matchup. I think it's going to go back and forth, but I think it's going to come down to Lamar Jackson. I think he is the true X-factor in this game, and that's why I'm picking the Ravens.
3: You've got a guy that you have to account for. And if you don't, he'll beat you. And if you do, there's going to be somebody else that's not covered, whether it's a a receiver like Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown, or whether it's one of the running backs like JK Dobbins. I'm with you. I think that the X factor in this game is Lamar. Michelle, the bears are at new Orleans.
0: (laughs) And that's, that's your description of the game. (laughs) The bears are at new Orleans.
3: That's it. Hey, new Orleans has a really good defense. Mitch Trubisky is not going to beat him through the air. David Montgomery has been a huge part of the reason that the Bears offense did score 35 points in four consecutive games before last week. The Bears have done some really good things. And like Habarka said, they're one of the teams that might be able to get after Drew Brees with Roquan Smith and and Khalil Mack. But I just don't see the Bears. And this was pending Alvin Kamara, who has Mm -hmm. been participating via Zoom. But I don't see the Bears being able to keep the Saints off the scoreboard consistently enough.
0: And I also think if that's your chance to win, that elbow injury to Smith isn't looking great. And yeah. the, the Bears' defense over the past few weeks hasn't been as exceptional as they've normally been. So I like the Saints in this game, too.
3: And then 7:15 on Sunday night, you have the COVID-19-ravaged Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh. Last week, the Steelers didn't play... Arguably, their two most important players on offense and defense, Roethlisberger Pouncey on offense, TJ Watt on defense. I guess Minka Fitzpatrick would be in there, but Cam Jordan also uh, didn't play. But I think because of what the Browns are dealing with from the the pandemic standpoint, it's going to be very difficult for them to even cover it the spread of six points.
0: I want to pick the Browns so badly, Randy, in this game. I want to pick the Browns. I want them to win. We chose them as our playoff mm-hmm. team, so maybe I should pick them to win, but I don't see how a rested Steelers team, even a Steelers team with some questions, even a Steelers team that I'm not that confident in, getting super deep into the postseason, I just don't see how a rested Steelers group is going to go against this, this ravaged Browns team and, and not win this game.
3: And by the way, one thing that I have advocated for a long time, and this is is the perfect reason why I have because you never know when your head coach is going to contract and play caller is going to contract the coronavirus this is why quarterbacks should be calling plays because of the coronavirus
0: hey I'm not gonna argue that I will say I think it's gonna be closer than people think
3: closer than the six points you think yes Okay, I think maybe rests- I'm projecting
0: it, but yes. Yeah.
3: Well, Pittsburgh has not been great. That's I the know. One thing this, uh, I, I could see it.
0: I even I look at the situation with the Browns, and even though I just think they're in such a tough position, there's going to be so much for them to overcome to win this game. I look at Pittsburgh, and I think that's a beatable team. That's a beatable team.
3: You're right; they are, and especially with the way Big Ben has played since they were 11 and 0, he has not been very good. So that's your preview of the weekend's actions here on 101 ESPN. You'll hear all of the games throughout the course of the weekend. NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Next up, we're going to cross things over with Dan McLaughlin. And by the way, if you missed anything on our show today, all you need to do is listen to our podcast. You can find that at 101ESPN.com, brought to you by I Promise. Danny Mac, getting ready for scoops, coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and
2: Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: We are saying thanks to St. Louis area education employees with Hubbard Radio's Deserving Deliveries. Today's Deserving Deliveries, put together by 101 ESPN, Hubbard Radio St. Louis, and Scott Credit Union. 100 lunches are being delivered today to the staff at Mercy Co-worker Children's Center South and Ballas by Super Smokers Barbecue. Where's our next deserving delivery headed to next Friday? You can nominate your favorite school staff now at 101ESPN.com. And thank you again to all of the area educators and staff working hard during these extraordinary times. Dan McLaughlin is here getting ready for Scoops with Danny Mac on a Friday. How are you doing? I'm doing great. a lot of
7: baseball movement. Let's see if the domino... <laughs> hey, we've only said this at least uh, about a million times yes. in the last five months. So we got some baseball movement yesterday. If you're a Mets fan, you woke up this morning and you're like, yes. That's a that's a big move, man, to get Lindor. Now, if they can sign him, which there's no reason to think that they wouldn't. I guess the the question would be if Lindor likes the Big Apple. How um, could he not? I, that's what I'm thinking, you know. I I I would think that the uh the money would not be the problem. It would just be whether or not his family and and he himself likes play, uh, playing for the Mets would be the question and uh if he indeed likes that then he signs with the Mets. And I'd I'd also think that probably prior to a CBA he wants to get a deal done. Mm-hmm. At least I would I would if I was his representation I'd say look before the CBA hits, we don't know what it's going to look like after this season. Let's get a deal in place with all these great shortstops that are going to be out there after this year. Let's get a deal done. We know that Mr. Cohen has got all kinds of money. You get to play in one of the biggest cities in the world. You're marketable. You're always smiling. You're happy. You're one of the best players in baseball. Let's sign on the dotted line. Let's figure it out and let's get it done and finish your career as a Met. And it's the Mets that are making the big moves and not the Yankees. So if you're a Met fan, you wake up this morning, you are thrilled.
3: The Mets are close to being great. If they get Springer and they have an outfield, a dominant Smith, <laughs> Smith, Springer, Conforto, I don't know who's going to play third because McNeil will move to second with uh, the suspension of Cano, but you have Lindor, McNeil, Alonzo, McCann behind the plate. Starting rotation now, if you get a healthy Cinder guard, you've got... Just and, think about that. You're going to get Syndergaard at some yeah, point this summer. Yeah. So you've got Degrom, best pitcher in the game, Carrasco, who's terrific, and probably their you number got two him for two years yep, at least, right? Stroman at some point, Syndergaard. You still got Mats. Uh, you had uh, another starter that had a good is Peterson last year, uh, had a, a good rookie year for them. I'm leaving somebody else out, but my point is, and they've got a b- good bullpen. A- a- adding Trevor May to Diaz and and Familia. They're close to
7: being great. Yeah, I think if they go out and they sign Springer, which there's no reason to think that they wouldn't, they've got the uh, the pockets to do it. They're from the, Connecticut. Yeah, I, I think they're the, the team to beat, maybe in the National League, even including the Padres and the Dodgers. They could be the team to beat, or at least in the conversation with those other two teams. Makes it fun, makes it fun to talk about. It reminds me of... What the Cardinals were doing in the early 2000s, or even with yep. the holiday deal, or even recent memory with Goldschmidt going out, getting a guy that has one year left on his deal, and um, and making that deal and rolling the dice and saying, "Hey, we'll take a chance and and see if he likes it here and signing him long term." We'll see what happens.
0: Now, do you think this will spark a flurry of activity as we all are hoping it will, or do you think this is? The Mets have a new owner. They have a lot of money. They wanted to go out and make an impact. They're kind of an outlier.
7: I think it's a, the bigger question is, Michelle, is I don't think the players are going to accept sitting back. And, and I understand this is what we were talking about yesterday. I understand from a player's perspective them saying we will not play fewer than 162 games, meaning that we will, we want to start spring training on time. And if I was a player, I totally understand that perspective. If you look at football, college football, college basketball, the NHL starting on time, the fact that we got 60 games in last year, why would, from their perspective, why would they say, why can't we start spring training on time? We want to start spring training on time. We want to get our full pay. Mm-hmm. We were we were out two thirds of our salaries last year. Why can't we do this? And I, I think from their perspective, they're saying, hey, we we're five and a half weeks or five weeks away from February 17th, the report date of spring training. Let's go. And I can understand it then from the owner's perspective, saying, now, hold on, let's get the vaccine continuing to roll out. Let's get fans in the stands. That's where we're going to make our money. And if we can push this back a little bit, why can't we do that? I understand both sides of it. I really do. Um, but they have an agreement in place, and the player's going to say, we need to play. And if that's the case, then we need to start getting this thing going. It's just there's so much distrust between the both between both sides that if you look at, we can't even get a D8 settled mm-hmm. upon how bad is the trust? It's terrible. That's and and that's why you don't see signings. It's just the distrust is terrible right now in the game. I
3: wonder if a it would make enough of a difference. I, I know the X factor can be the TV executives, but I wonder if the first month of a baseball season is enough for TV executives to come to Rob Manfred and say, "Hey." We want you to play 162 also because I think that would have a different effect than the players saying we want to play 162. But how about the fact though that they can't get a Monday Wednesday uh, package right
7: now? Have you seen that? No. I mean, there's the Sunday the Sunday night package is there. You got the Fox agreement in place, not the Fox Midwest, but that's in place. But I mean, the Fox big, big Fox, Fox yeah. is in place. But the Monday night and the Wednesday night is still up in the air, and uh, and that's. Uh, problematic right now for baseball that's my understanding too is that they're not quite yet to the agreement of the money that that needs to be set i believe i Mm -hmm. i think i'm right on that so that's a problem that's been espn in the past correct and so that's some money that's dangling out there i believe that's a problem so again i i hope that we get to spring training i think we will i'm not sure we would get the fans in the stands you know one of the reasons we had a longer spring training is that that was a moneymaker a lot of mm-hmm. people went to spring training. Oh, that, yeah. You know, we had these nice facilities and we had people going down to spring training. It was a good thing for a lot of these uh, franchises because it was a great vacation. And a lot of people went and sold tickets and made some money. That's the thing. Time.
3: Tickets were expensive. Oh, they have yeah. become really expensive for spring training. And it's a gold mine for the teams and the cities that they yes, play in. Th-
7: there was a reason why those municipalities did not want to see the Cardinals leave Jupiter or the Marlins, or uh, you look out in Arizona, look at how nice those places. Mm -hmm. Those are palaces. Those are great spring training facilities. And it's kind of keeping up with the Joneses of of making sure you had really nice places for those uh, franchises to have, not only for the, the major league clubs, but the minor league affiliates and whatnot to have training facilities to make sure that it's Up to par, and uh, it's great for those because you look at the tax dollars that come in for the the visitors, the tourism and things that happen in those municipalities. It's huge, huge money for those eight weeks or whatever the case may be, Um, and if you don't have it, it's a major hit for those areas.
3: It's really bad. (laughs) Dan, aside from your Steelers playing Sunday night, yeah. five That's other... That's going to be a win. That's yeah. going to be a win. So five other and NFL was, games You know, Cleveland weekend. got hit with the COVID. Oh, they yeah. yeah. They did. got hit with the COVID. I feel and their head your coach. Steelers are rested. Yeah, they are. And Big yeah. Ben's going to be ready to roll. Yeah. So of the other five games, is there any must-see TV for you this weekend? Uh, a pounding of the Rammies. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a must-see. That's just kind
7: of... Just I want to see a pounding of the yeah. Rammies. Yeah, I gotta see that. So
3: are we honorary twelves this weekend?
7: Yes. What? Yeah. The twelfth man. Yeah. 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 We'll be that. We're uh, all twelves. Give me give well, me another game I gotta watch. How, Baltimore how and Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's a miracle. Um, let's see. I love watching Derrick Henry. Yeah. Okay. He's so, great. Yeah. I, I You know what I'm fixated on is his ponytail. Would you call that I a ponytail? I was just going to say it
3: is, but it's kind of a weird dread
7: ponytail. I've kind of fixated on it, though. Yeah, it's interesting. It, you're the fashion aficionado here on this show. I uh, think it's cool. Michelle, I, you know, how does he keep that like that?
0: I'm not sure, but...
7: You don't wash that thing, do you?
0: I don't know what his routine is. Okay. I don't know how he maintains it. It's pretty I'll, awesome, I'll though. look into it, though.
7: I wouldn't want to see it like coming to America where he says, you know... Trim me up, and he just clips it off. You know, <laughs> no, I don't. You don't I, want that. I don't want that. Um, I would like to see a massive stiff arm from him. Just boom, oh. just just flatten somebody. Yeah, that's I'll always probably, fun. I I love watching him run the football. He's incredible. Yeah,
3: he's old school. He's like Earl Campbell or yeah. Bettis, like we talked about the other day. Earl Campbell was must see TV. Yeah, it's sad watching him now though. Yeah, we interviewed him at the Super Bowl a few years ago, he, and he was he not gonna walk. No, uh-uh. his legs are are a mess. Man.
0: Remember when we used to watch Steven Jackson?
7: Steven Jackson was pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: He's my number one what if he went somewhere else, what his career would be. He's number one on the list. We
7: talked about it the other day. He's borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah, he is. He's borderline Hall of Famer.
3: He was terrific.
7: Uh, Give me another game. Buffalo taking on. Oh, that's my team. Okay. Yeah, if it's not the uh, Steelers, I'm what I love. I love Allen. I love Buffalo. They're going to have fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. They're going to have, what, 7,000 fans? Right. That'd be kind of cool. The Bills Mafia. I, I, I will watch any game that has some type of uh, weather element, too. You got fog, I you love got that. rain, you got snow. I, I always will just stop and watch that. So I'm hoping for that uh, when Green Bay plays, even though they have a uh, bye this mm-hmm. week. I like watching Green Bay because I love watching Aaron Rodgers. He's the MVP, it's hands down, there's no debate. I don't. I don't want to hear Mahomes. It's Aaron Rodgers. It is. It's a done. It's a done deal, right? Well, you guys are the to, NFL experts. According
3: I, to character and Smallman, we both picked Aaron Rodgers as our him. MVP. Okay,
7: good. So I'm, I'm not off base on that one. Not a bit. I'm uh,
0: surprised you're not writing for your boy Josh Allen. He had an incredible
7: year. He did have a great year, but he's not. Not yet. He's not Aaron Rodgers. All right. One other thing.
3: Yes. Coming up on Sunday night at 10:30 on Channel yes. Two. Yes. The first TV edition of Scoops with Danny. Yes, Matt. all
0: right. Thank you. Yes. moves. Uh, yes. You ever Make done so, TV
6: before?
7: I'm. I've never <laughs> stared into a camera. Are you nervous? I am. I'm really <laughs> nervous about this. No, this is. Uh, this has been in the works for a long time. Basically, like a, almost a year. Really? Wow. Then we got hit with the COVID. That um, kind of put yeah. things off. And then uh, so we had to do a lot of technological uh, advancements. You know. Um, so this first one will be focused on the blues. I don't know if you heard of this guy Chris Pronger. Mm-hmm. He'll be a guest. Another guy, Bernie, oh, baby, Bernie Federico. He'll be a guest, and um, and so we'll we'll talk blues hockey. It'll be uh, it. yeah, it, it's something I, I'm I'm really proud of it. It's uh, I built a studio, did the lighting, did uh, I the editing and and various things. Worked with a, a guy that uh, I've been friends with since college. We worked together. And we were kidding each other about this. We worked on a thing called Youth in Need in college. It was Mm -hmm. a outreach, food outreach program that we actually did a video for. We actually, do I have time on this thing? Okay, so back in the day, we used to hand out sandwiches every week. Okay. Then we did a video on it. We never finished the video until we, they told us we, we had to finish the video if we had wanted to graduate. And I said, look how far we've <laughs> come. Now we need to finish a show. So we finished the show, but we actually finished the youth and need video, and now we finished a show. As I said, we've come a little bit for 30 years ago. So we, we've we done this together. Um, we're going to do it. We signed up for a year to do it. It's going to be every Sunday night on Fox Channel 2. Martin Kilcoin, by the way, will be my guest coming up. And, um, I'm really proud of it. It's just something I, I've always wanted to do. It's not like a talk show. You know, it's just, I love sports. So it's not just baseball. It'll be different guests. And with the Rolodex that we all have of getting good people on and with the way that COVID has hit us, it's not like you have to go to somebody's home to get them. You can just right. get into a yeah. computer or yeah. their phone. You can get Which good guests. No so
3: <laughs> that's something I'm looking forward to doing. I don't know if you thought this, Michelle, but I thought this when Dan was describing this TV thing that he did. I thought you were going to say youth in Asia. In the arms of the angels. When no. I mean, you said youth in need, no. I thought youth in. I thought okay, here's okay. Why is he doing this? You should
7: you should donate your time mm-hmm. and your efforts to Youth in Need. You should find out what it's all about. It's really good. I'm just consistently yeah, well.
0: impressed with Randy's abilities to bring it back to death.
7: It's always about death, and um, mm-hmm. it's always a little odd, and it's always a little uneasy.
0: And always a little funny. And we'll close things up. I don't think
3: it was up. funny, that one. Yep. Close, no. Close things up by saying that the Rams are in action tomorrow. And What's the, the line on that one? I think it's like three. I thought it was three. Tanner, wasn't it three and a half?
4: It was three and a half. I'll have to double check. Yeah. You
3: Rams
7: are going to lose, pal. Come so, on. Yeah. Speaking of death. So. How can you work with this guy? No, you fine. know I love Tanner, but he's a Rams fan. We talked
0: about it today. I asked him me- mentally emotionally, happen? how did you do this? They don't want you. He explained it.
7: Yeah. They don't want you, pal. Huh?
3: They don't want you. They don't want you. Uh tell yes. uh, what? Uh tell um, tell Marty Kilcoin we said hi. Uh
7: Rick Smith, only a few people get this in the audience, but Rick Smith, the longtime PR director, uh, was a guest of Marty's recently. It was a great interview. Did you listen to it? I did, yeah. Pretty funny, wasn't it? Yeah. Hey, uh Randy. Uh What are you doing? Uh, trying to steal a base on me? Yeah, uh, got a question for the coach? If not, let's wrap it up. All right,
3: let's go to Scoops. Thanks. <laughs> Scoops is next. On 101 <laughs> ESPN, Tanner Hendrickson, great job as always. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. Have a great weekend. It was, Randy.
0: You have a great weekend. See you Monday.
3: Enjoy your nachos. Thank
0: you. Will have do. a great
7: weekend, guys.
3: <laughs> and uh, Dan, we'll have a great weekend. We will, and you too. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Have a great weekend, and until Monday morning at 7 o'clock. See you, St. Louis.
2: You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise.
8: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama.